All right, we are back. And Quentin, how are you doing tonight? I'm great. I am excited to talk about uh, wrestling, apparently. Not sure if wrestling is going to be talked about tonight. But yeah, I'm talking about wrestling. I'm talking about wrestling. I'm talking about wrestling tonight. That's what I care about. And tonight, Quentin, we are Jimmy Bauer House Hobbs. Because we are joined by Trevor Dane. Trevor Dane, how are you doing tonight? Uh, not bad. Um, I thought we were going to talk about the Queen, so this is this is highly disappointing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The 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 royal. I was going to call the episode maybe "Mum's the Word" after the royal mum. I was thinking that was a good one, but uh, unfortunately, that's not it. We have something that is in the UK to talk about. We're here to talk about Clash at the Castle. Um, <laughs> I don't know how you guys felt, but I thought you know they're back. I think WWE is back. <laughs> I mean, they, I mean, they, I, I don't know. I don't know if you've heard, but they've been back for like at they least keep, a month and a half now, Sam. They're just the, back. <laughs> the thing about WWE is that they keep coming back. Like every week, they're back more and more. It's the presser everyone's talking about. Yes, the, the I mean Roman made. made a reporter acknowledge him. So I mean, I, I don't know how you top that this week. Ah, uh, could you imagine? <laughs> it's very funny that, that that happened at that press event and everyone was making fun of how fucking stupid that dork was for like acknowledging <laughs> Roman Reigns as the tribal chief. <laughs> and then CM Punk said, hold my spin drift um, <laughs> and went the fuck off. Like, what was that? Um, speaking of, okay, those spin drift sparkling. So I don't know if you guys have had those seltzer waters, but spin drift is really good. Um, I so I not. Me I know either. why he was drinking so many. Um, they're great. All the flavors are really good. The problem is I never see them in anything but like a four pack at Trader Joe's. And like we go, I go, we go through the seltzer water here so fast that like a four pack is just, it's not even yeah, worth it, it to is. me. Yeah. Yeah. That's I like need, this, I need a 12 pack. That's like the second recent AEW press conference where like Tony asked some, like one of the wrestlers for a drink that were really brandishing. Cause wasn't that recent one with a uh, Moxley where he was really plugging the, uh, the non-alcoholic beer that he was really into. Yeah, it's the athletic <laughs> brand non-alcoholic beer, yeah. which is which is pretty good too. I've I've tried it. Um, I prefer just hop water to non-alcoholic beer, but uh, mm-hmm. at this point now, the NA beers are more popular. You see them in more places. Is that is that, is that taking your taking the place of your beloved craft craft beers in your life or no? Oh, of course not, of course not. But I like them. I like them. The, you know, it, during the week, I try to not drink during the week, really. Um, and then just on the weekends, for the most part, have alcohol. Uh, but but like hot water is a nice little refresher in between. Um, I did watch all of Clash at the Castle though. Why did I you don't know do if that? you watched any of it. Okay, so here was what it. here's what happened. <laughs> I was gonna just watch Gunther versus Sheamus because people were saying that it was actually good, and right. I wanted to be like, no, you're wrong. Uh, but then the show, <laughs> the show opened up with the you know the Bailey Goon versus Alexa Bliss, Oscar and, and Bianca Belair match. So I was like, oh, I'll watch this, and that was solid enough to where I was like, okay. Then the next match was Gunther and Sheamus, and like, fuck it, I'll watch this too. It was a heat wave in LA this week, so I didn't want to leave the house. So then Liv Morgan versus Shayna, I wanted to check out Shayna, which I thought Shayna looked good. And eventually, I just watched the whole show except for the Judgment Day match, um, and it was bad. And then I did watch <laughs> Carmelo Hayes versus Ricochet, the opening match from Worlds Collide. And that match was good. 
Carmelo Hayes, you know who he reminds me of just in the sense that like he's a guy who I actually like more in WWE is Tyler Bate, who I guess main evented the show, but I didn't watch. Oh, you, you didn't watch the main event? No, I did not. I could maybe go back, but this I, I would just watch that live. Um, either way, WWE Roundup. How's everybody? How's everybody feeling about WWE? I literally have not seen a single second from this show. I will probably watch Seamus versus <laughs> Gunther, but that's a, probably about all you can get me to watch. I have never liked the Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre matches at any point, so that was not going to be a thing I was ever going to try or watch. Yeah, that I, stunk. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just gonna, I, I I watched. Uh, I had like Clash on while I was doing some work in the background. I only stopped really to focus on Seamus Gunther and the main event. And it's like, I mean, you know, the Seamus match was good, very good, and I, like the main event was super long and uh, Drew <laughs> lost in his and then sang Oasis and uh, yes. seemed like I'm. I mean, WWE has like risen to the level of more watchable like i mean in my opinion i'm kind of in the middle on that like i mean it's one of those things if i had to sit down and watch it i mean it probably would not be as painful as it was a month ago but still not something i am running to see yeah no i mean going to aew dynamite live and then watching the w like the or going to aew yes i said i don't know if i said that um and then watching the wwe show i'm like Really, it's really like confirmed in my brain, solidified that like I'm hanging on a thread when it comes to being an AEW fan, because mm. like the big, big wrestling presentation is just not for me. It's just not my thing. So it's like I watch it. And like you said, I mean, good, I guess, passable, whatever. But I just can't fucking stand it. Um, And at the end of Roman Reigns versus Drew McIntyre, some fucking random guy comes out and they never gave me a video package to explain who he was. <laughs> Uh, don't you hate don't you hate when they do that i what the fuck how the fuck am i supposed to know who that you, was? you know you know what you know what's worse about like the fact that raj is almost like kind of vindicated because a steel is just going to be gone and we're never going to see him again so like he's he was kind of right now that all this happened <laughs> sure <laughs> like, and that's like the worst that's the worst part about it is that he was kind of right now I mean, I don't know if we could speak for everyone. I think our guest here tonight, I don't know if you're done seeing Ace Steel on uh, throughout through the year. <laughs> no, I, I will be seeing him on the podcast that covers Old Ring of Honor, but it is kind of crazy that like this is gonna be the thing Ace Steel is most known for in his life, like this past week. And I wonder how Not the NWL? What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I mean I mean, I am sure he's got more pressing issues on his mind right now, but I wonder if like when this all is settled, how he feels where he's now going to be known as the Bites Kevin Omega. I mean Kenny Omega guy. Like I mean I that's mean... I'm, that's gonna be his 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 one liner, you know. Sure. I mean, yes, sure, but I mean, Ace is a fucking old school carny. This just gave him like another fifteen years on the indies. <laughs> no, no like, problem. Dude, can you, can you imagine that Ace Steel could easily pop up on NWA right now, and it's the biggest yeah. Ace Steel's ever been in his life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And all they—I mean, he just has to do the fucking bite people gimmick. Oh, he's gonna bite him. He's—you know what I mean? He could file mm -hmm. his teeth down like. Um, oh God, why did I am I dropping his name? Um, uh, what is wrong with me? Anyways, Freddie uh, Glassy. Yeah, I was gonna go like he could do like just do the George Steele and just start biting through turnbuckles yes. and shit. Yes, he could do that. <laughs> I was gonna say file down his teeth like Freddie Blassie, really just go all go all in on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ace Steele just has 15 years of his career back. Yeah. He doesn't have to retire. There was that great sign at the uh, 
AW title. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the oh, the yeah. elite song with the bite out of it. Like, that was a nice. sign. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, that's a. Uh... That is definitely it for Ace. But yes, uh, speaking of that, speaking of all of this, I asked Trevor, I asked you to come on here. Well, number one, because I've been asking you for a bit. Yeah, um, I am notoriously hard to uh, walk no, down the podcast. That's not that's not true. It's not that you're hard. It's just that the schedule and then what we do, you don't necessarily fit in. Yeah. Um, unless we make it work, you know, so or like <laughs> pick the right time. So I asked you for this. I'm like, OK, it's Chicago. Not that you're necessarily connected to Chicago, but it's no. it's punk in Chicago. You know, it's the ROH guy, the yeah. ROH podcast guy. Um, this will be perfect. We'll talk about punk and all that stuff. I know that you watch it AEW. Yeah. And then everything that happened here. And then <laughs> with the amount of like just going off you've been doing for the week, it's like <laughs> yeah. it ends up being a completely <laughs> different reason to have you on. Yeah. Um, Way too much. Point. Yeah, in fact, someone else, based on all that, was like, oh, could you do my podcast this week? And I was like, ah, I've already actually probably committed to the exact kind of podcast you want me to do. So I had yeah, to postpone that. But that's that, the thing, so. is that this wasn't even the plan. That's yeah, exactly. The plan. It was <laughs> not. That's the saddest part about it is, I, like Quentin just said, like, this is not that podcast. We don't do yeah, exactly. that. this. We don't do, let's talk about backstage Michigan. So we're not going to. Um, Good. GCW, Art of War. Uh, I don't know <laughs> But uh, no, but these like... guys, I, I don't know about how they're able to fuck up the war game so bad, but they do it every time. Uh... <laughs> but like, other than other than like the other than like the like the like authentic JCP WCW ones, the only ever good one I've ever seen in my whole life was one from like was one from NWA Anarchy, and I forgot when like what oh. even fucking year it was. But you know, but you know, but you know the one I'm talking about. Yes, and yes. well. There's the yard call. I don't know if that's even like a, a war games, but there is that one that's like kind of like yeah, a Slim J thing. But then, yeah, oh, like whatever, whatever the Slim J match is, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, there's the anarchy. There's a actually Slim J has a few, but there's one in particular where Cyrus the Destroyer or whatever, who's now in Noah, who's in the N one uh, Victory League, <laughs> I think, like busts through the side of the cage in the middle of the match, and it's a fucking bloodbath, and it's just yes. wild. Yeah, that one is fucking crazy. Yeah, that's like. You know, the old school ones, the Crockett ones, WCW, even the WCW ones kind of stunk by the end. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, even the WCW ones, there's, there's maybe like two or three good ones, maybe. Right. Yeah. So then here's the here's the question for Trevor. Uh, Cage of Death, ROH Cage of Death. Is that a War Games match? Um, I don't think so. Like, like Ring of Honor had done like, you know, the had done a, a, a few like War Games-ish matches. But in my opinion, like once you start adding elimination rules and all that like i guess everyone has a different definition for what war games can't like what are the essential parts of it to me maybe you can get away with it without it being two rings but to me once you make it an elimination match it becomes more of a like a survivor series match that just happens to have a cage around it yeah, yeah. like to me the fun is it's all these people and it's going to end all of a sudden you know i mean that's part of the fun yeah no definitely um and i like there's I like that there's got to be some kind of manager involvement in some way. You know what yeah. I mean? Like there's a manager that's in the match or there's a manager who's going to get theirs after the match. I do think that the, the cage of death, ROH cage of death kind of gets it because you've got the cornet stuff at the end. Mm -hmm. um, so you got some of that extra drama added in that kind of adds to it. Um, 
But yeah, speaking of, why didn't they bring in Homicide? Or AEW should have brought in Homicide, and maybe he could have kept Punk in line. Um, <laughs> feels like one of the few. Joe and Homicide are the only guys who ever seem to like keep Punk from getting too fucking work. Yeah, like, like where was where was Samoa Joe at a time like this? <laughs> yeah, right. He showed up on the show. That is a really good question because if there's anyone that I feel like that you know Punk was just, I felt like that was just going to happen. <laughs> like there was nothing right. that could have been done. To stop whatever he was going to do that night, yeah. but having Samoa Joe at least around feels like I don't know. It's a high, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but just where was Samoa Joe? Sure, yeah, no. It's funny to think, yeah, the idea of like, are there is there such a thing as a punk whisperer, like the kind of like a person <laughs> that you probably right. like literally you probably like Tony Khan if he could have found that person might you know have saved him millions of dollars at this point if he could have just hired someone for like six figures to be like just yeah i mean maybe he should have hired aj like just to constantly be at his side and just just i, just, I have no just, idea yeah just someone be here just because <laughs> i mean the motherfucker's got obviously a steel was not the choice for the punk whisperer for the punk whisperer <laughs> Yeah, but he's got a service animal that's supposed to probably be like to keep his <laughs> his nerves down. That's with him at all time. Because I saw someone asking that, and they're like, "Who brings their dog to the fucking show?" And I did want to point out that I have heard reports that Akira, Deathmatch wrestler Akira, he brings his dog to this show. Um, his dog <laughs> is a Shiba Inu. Which, if you're familiar with Shiba Inus, my wife works at a pet store, so she told me Shiba Inus make the most ungodly fucking noises. They yelp, oh, and the way that they bark is fucking blood curdlingly creepy and just weird so this motherfucker brings just like the weirdest dog backstage so that's the kind of people who bring dogs to shows um <laughs> akira and punk um but yeah he's got his his service animal with him his comfort dog with him he's got his <laughs> trainer and uh he's still not uh not not doing it i guess yeah. um what do we want to do do we want to go down the show or i mean i want to talk about the wrestling quentin i know you do too this, this is the uh, part. This is the part that sucks about it is because, right. as much as I would much rather do that, it almost feels like the show doesn't matter because, right. like, literally one of the biggest pro wrestling stories of the last however many years happened afterwards. So, like, <laughs> I mean, it's like it's like so. Good. Oh, go ahead. No, no, go. I was like saying, it's like, how passionate are we going to be at this point? To talk it's like after all of this to talk about Ricky Starks versus Powerhouse Hobbs. <laughs> I wonder if this is going to be like once we get a year removed for this, people will be able to enjoy this show just for the show, or if this will always, like you were just saying, be tainted by this, where like people will never not look back that. Uh, like you could watch this five years from now, and people will go, "Oh yeah, that's the night CM Punk lost his mind and right. ended his career here." I think that that's going to be it, unfortunately, because okay, I can say my most sober view of the show. And I think I tweeted it out, whatever, like, you know, the moment that the show ended, I was like, I think that this show was done an insanely huge disservice by the people who last minute kept pushing the narrative of uh, just remember how the build of Forbidden Door felt going in. And then yeah. how that ended up. I made, because... made one tweet like that. <laughs> sure, sure. That's fine. OK, you know, no, one, trust me, I made one drop in the bucket. I, I... <laughs> But it's just a completely different situation. Forbidden Door was a dream match show that had a 
poor build, according to a lot of people. But the point of it was that the in-ring action was going to be once-in-a-lifetime stuff that can only happen on a special night. It's like Survivor Series, where Raw and SmackDown face off. Um, It's a very Mm -hmm. special episode of TV or pay-per-view or whatever. This was not that. I mean, this was a show that was supposed to fit within the canon, be a storyline show. It it included multiple matches that were really more angles than matches. So to like point to that and be like, oh, if you don't like the build so much, just remember what happened at Forbidden Door when you didn't like the build. And it's like, yeah, but you're, you're talking about totally different things. I mean, you really are just like pointing out to something where it's like, oh yeah, that show ended up being great because like None of that story stuff mattered because all you got was balls to the walls action. And that was not what this was going to be. So then I think coming out of it, it makes it even look even worse if you really like turn that into what this was going to be. Because now you came into the show expecting, you know, show of the year quality matches and it's not what you got. And and I do think the other thing that, you know, it's kind of funny. It's like it was almost like a double Paul cast over the show where, you know, the 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 punk thing has cast, the, you know, this shadow over the show after the show ended. But the MGF thing at the very start, even though I think for the most, I mean, we can get to the, the parts that maybe weren't so good. But like, I thought that as like, a, as in a lot of ways, just from an NJF standpoint, it was a good angle. But I do feel like in some ways it created that kind of, I am one of the people that believes it kind of created that vibe over much of the show where unless something was insanely good and exciting, the fans were kind of like waiting around now for like, well, the big thing's going to happen at the end of the night, you know? So yeah. it was kind of like, you know, and that's kind of the risk you take when you start the show with like this big tease, which is that's going to be kind of half in the back of everyone's minds for the next, in this case, four hours of, of wrestling almost yeah. that you're really thinking, well, you know, I'm thinking about, I'm in trying to enjoy this match, but I'm also thinking, oh, what's, you know, is he going to come out at the end? Is he going to reveal himself at the end? Is he going to attack Bong? Blah, blah, blah. And it just, you know, that, that kind of divides your attention, I imagine. Yeah. I'm sure that you're correct about that, but like for me, my brain is still old school enough to where like even like car crash TV era where like, of course you would expect that is not necessarily like where my brain is when I watch a wrestling show to where like I still after that, I didn't expect him to show up on this, on the show. I didn't expect to get the answer on this show. Yeah. Part of me thought they might have saved it for dynamite. Yeah. 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 So I'm I'm just kind of like, no, no, they, they won't pay that off tonight because you wouldn't, you know, why would you tease? I don't think you tease paying it off and then giving the finger and then in my head go, okay, well, then I'm going to get it tonight. Because I feel like that's telling me you're not getting it tonight. You know, but the again, only, that's old school. The only thing that really made me think more that it, they wouldn't have saved it for Dynamite when I was watching the show is I remembered like in all the media buildup in the last week that Tony Khan did, he kept saying over and over, like, at the end of the show, like, we'll have our most full power roster that we've ever had, which... Yeah, like, he did it himself, basically, too. Him, <laughs> yeah, yeah. basically him spitting in God's face. But I was thinking, like, that has to mean that by the end of the night, like, everyone he can get back is going to be clearly back because he was basically advertising that, like, hey... You know, you're gonna see a, what we have by the end of the night. That's true, uh, Quentin. What do you think about that? Like the quality of the show, the the feeling coming out of the show, and and everything that Trevor kind of mentioned. Well, I mentioned before it's like just the way that I would be just the job setup that I have now. Like I'm at work on Saturday nights, so as everyone is else is, you know, being like Jesus Christ, I've been sitting here watching AEW for six hours. My whole thing is, I get to just optimally view it and watch it in bits and pieces and i don't have to sit there because i spent uh, 50 60 dollars to watch it to watch this thing so mm. i always felt like whenever i got around to the show 
I would just be able to enjoy and watch the wrestling. And it turns out because of everything that happened, I wasn't able to just do that because that because everything else became a bigger story. And I do think that as we were, as the people in attendance were watching the show, I feel like it's, they AEW does leak things and Tony does say things outwardly. And sometimes while I like Tony's openness with things, and I felt like that leads to a good relationship with the fans and media, uh, I feel like Tony should also learn to shut the fuck up sometimes. <laughs> and because Tony doesn't know when to shut the fuck up, if you would have just kept a little bit quiet about the MJF stuff or about the roster stuff, then that kind of looming cloud over everything might not be as prevalent. Now, AEW fans are seem to be more online than said than most wrestling fans uh like a WWE compared to like a WWE fan uh seems to be. So there's only so much you could do there. But I really don't think it was helped by like stuff that Tony says that then gets uh that then gets aggregated on a whole bunch of different wrestling Twitter accounts about how this is like what what we'll we'll really see what we're made of at the by the end of the show. And also compare like compare like comparing it to like last year's All Out, where you had Punk's debut, Brian Danielson and Adam Cole debuting in the same segment, everything like that. So if we're going by Tony's words and what All Out was last year, you'd be thinking Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly are coming back, MJF is coming, MJF is coming back, and like everything all this is happening, getting these big, crazy angles. And when it doesn't happen, and then you have one of the biggest stories in wrestling in the last however many years happen afterwards. Like the entire show kind of feels like an afterthought. Now, like it's probably going to be a really successful show. Well, even, even even with all that being said, like I don't know, like if the uh, if the paper, if the pay per view buys have come out yet or not. But I imagine it's still like a, a super successful show for all intents and purposes. You know, for whatever that mat for for how much that matters right now, but. I do think that Tony did a, did the show a disservice by like dropping those little nuggets out there. And again, hindsight twenty twenty, who could have ma- imagined you'd be down the elite and CM Punk in one fell swoop? But yeah, I, he, I, I hopefully this will be a lesson. Like, the, just keep things to yourself sometimes. Right. Yeah, I, I, I'm a huge fan of like under. I mean, my whole life is under promise and over deliver. That's part yes. of this, why I'm so self deprecating. Is like I'd much rather set a low bar and then like leap over it than set a really high bar and then barely clear it if I can. And yeah, this was a show where I feel like in a vacuum. I think after the show, in that brief window we had between in, between the world where the pay-per-view could stand on its own and half an hour later where it could never ever again. Like, I think, I feel like the vibe for people was like, that was a pretty good show, but not a great show, you know, kind of up and down. And, you know, is that just on this, the merits of the show itself? Or is that pe- partly because again, like he was, pr- he, he, Tony Khan was really selling this week as like, this had the potential to be the greatest show we've ever done. And, Tim, like you were saying, you know, like he was kind of, people like me were invoking the, oh, you know, well, remember uh, Forbidden Door. I guess the one thing I just want to quickly say about that is like, I think Tony Khan, you know, there's things I really like about Tony Khan and things I don't like. But one thing, you know, he does frequently is he'll be like, you know, you know, you have to understand that we had injuries here, blah, 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 which is always true. But it's almost like there are always going to be injuries in wrestling. Like at some point you can only play that card for like 
when a show doesn't have great build to some to a certain yeah. to a certain degree because there, there there's never going to be a time period probably like it's going to be more rare for him to have a completely healthy rock. I'm realized he's had extra crazy amounts of injuries in recent months, but you, you are always going to probably be missing somebody significant. And it's probably always going to have to change your plans. Right. And we saw, you see the tweets from, you know, former multi-time guest of the podcast, Dylan Hales. I've had conversations on podcasts with enough bookers and privately with enough wrestling bookers on a smaller scale obviously that i've made this very clear and it's you know this is basically my catch slogan at this point my, which is um who could have predicted the acclaim was going to be so great no um my catchphrase <laughs> is uh is uh i just review what i see <laughs> i don't yeah. care i don't yeah. fucking care that's all we can that's all we can her. do yeah yeah i'm sorry but like i get it and i love it and i appreciate it when the people reach out to me and they say hey you don't know this guy was being a pain in the ass and yeah. you know travel issues and this and that but <laughs> i'm sorry but like that's not what i do on this podcast if they want that to be like that's the thing like if any booker or anyone who runs a show wants to come on the show and just bury everyone who is being an asshole and complain about every problem you had on the show feel free but don't think that like telling me in a DM, keep it between, you know, me and you, but this guy's a fucking asshole. It, if you don't want me saying it on the podcast, then I'm not going to give your show any benefit of the doubt. And so, also, we, you, know, yeah, you can only judge what you're given. Like, yeah, I, I feel the same way because the example I often use is like, if someone just had like the worst day of their life and then they go to a restaurant, they cook at a restaurant and then they like burn my meal. Like I feel incredible sympathy yep. for them, but that doesn't change that my meal is burnt. Like, I'm not going to say, well, this meal was delicious. I'm yeah. like, you have a great reason why you burned it, but the product that we paid for is still the same. Right. Yeah. I say that all the time at my work as well. Like people, I work in a hospital or, you know, healthcare, whatever. And people try to explain to patients, like the reasons why there's issues. And I always tell any of my coworkers to do that. I go, just knock it off. These people don't give a shit about our workflow. They care about getting, yeah. you know, taken care of. That's all they care about. They don't need I to mean, hear I, about why it didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, I think it tempers how vitriolic you should be about the people making the things. Like, you you know, I, I, I think I've learned over the years to not be like when a match is bad, like, oh, these guys are so shitty or these guys are so stupid or, you know, this booking decision, how could they just be this dumb? Because I've learned over the years that when something is really bad, usually there's a good reason. But at the same time, I also don't go the other way and be like, well, I'm going to grade this match on a curve. Like like you were just saying, we can only judge what we see, you know, what makes it to TV. All right. Well, if you're going to mention that, you know, might as well transition to talking about the wrestling. Um, give me the good reason why Danielson versus Jericho was so fucking bad. <laughs> Because oh, Chris Jericho was a bad wrestler and wants to impress Brian Danielson, <laughs> and Brian Danielson was too nice to tell him, "No, you're not. You're not good at this." Uh, so that is why. That's <laughs> instead of it's, it's, instead of just those two punching each other for whatever reason, uh, <sighs> we got we got Jericho pretending that he's ever been that kind of wrestler ever in his life. Yeah. This is all John Moxie's fault for convincing him to bring back the Lionheart gimmick because uh, <laughs> apparently that's what Jericho revealed. That was all Moxie's idea. But I think with Jericho, it's interesting because he definitely gotten better um, shape, physical shape after his medical scare and definitely started to be able to do more of his athletic stuff again. But I think the problem with Jericho is he like, even on his last couple WWE runs, I thought like, here's a guy I really did not enjoy his work in the ring at that point. Cause I thought, here's a guy he's trying to act like he's still 30 years old, his body. And you know, like anyone else, his body is changed. He's not, can't do everything quite the way he used to. 
And then I feel like almost like this last little run where he got in better shape and he's had some fairly, you know, good performances. I feel like it kind of caught up with him on Sunday where he was kind of like in that mode of, oh, I, I'm as good as I was uh, at age 29. Like I can do it just the way I used to. It's like, no, you can't, Chris. No, And I feel yeah. like, I think Tony Khan said something at the press, like right in front of Chris, like, I think he's as good as he's ever been. I was like, Tony, why are you saying that to him? Because, like, you're just making this worse. Because they all, because they all believe, because <sighs> they believe that. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, Trevor, like the, you said, the, the over, thing is true. over, over promise or yeah, under promise over deliver. Like Jericho is not that guy. Jericho yeah. actually believes his bullshit and like went out there and, and again, he, d- he does not understand and living like he's 30. I mean, Trevor, if he lived like he's 30, he would be doing what me and you were doing, which is just stay inside all the time and talk about wrestling. <laughs> I mean, you can argue that the rest of his life is living like he's 30 on the road with Fossey yes. and doing, but yes. I mean, I, I think the difference is he can kind of get away with that with Fossey, but like in the ring, right. And again, I think this year he like he gained enough of his old self back, just enough to make him almost dangerous. Because now that's going to boost him right back into thinking, "Oh, I've got another ten years. I can just be." We're going to get more of the Chris Jericho versus Kevin Owens era, where or or those CM Punk and WWE matches where he feels like I can wrestle the way I did when I was in '97 Nitro. Sure. I mean, okay, but he's always been a smoke and mirrors guy. And like, that's the fucked up part here is like Quentin said, he's trying to like, he's trying to act like, oh, I can drop all the smoke and mirrors and go back to how when I used to be serious. And it's like, you were never serious. <laughs> you were that's, never that's, a serious that's the wrestler. Shout out to our, uh, shout out to our guy, Joseph Monticilio. Uh, <laughs> did yes. a, that, big, that big Chris Jericho video, pretty much talking about the myth that Chris Jericho has ever been like that kind of wrestler. But yeah. Yeah, it's just it's just it's just a funny thing, and to see people like the guy that runs the company actually kind of like buy into it, it's it's frustrating. Well, okay. It's frustrating, and it and it leads and it leads to and it leads to stuff like like this, where the best wrestler of all time is like, yeah, I'm gonna go, you're gonna go, you're gonna go there have a 23, 23 minute match with Chris Jericho, and he's gonna pretend that you guys are even in the same category of wrestler. Well, <laughs> okay, so Quentin, I think you. On. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was going to say, there did seem to be moments in the last few years, especially like some of his last New Japan stuff, where he was like doing way more, relying way more on the gimmicks in the ring, like you guys said, the bells and whistles, where it did feel like he was starting to come to terms with like, I can't be who I used to be. And I feel, again, like this last year has just sent, it reversed all of that. Like he's like, well, I guess I can be exactly who I was last, even like you were saying, when even that might have not been yeah. the, the absolute been ideal of anything. Yeah. I saw Chris Jericho wrestle Rey Mysterio Jr. at Bash at the Beach in, you know, 1997 or something. And uh, there was a big segment of the match where Rey Mysterio jumps off of the set into this fake beach off of like a fake lifeguard tower. And they're stooging around in the fucking all the gimmicks and the stuff around the ring. Yeah, that was when he was a real work rate guy. Yeah. He's fucking stooging around in the fake beach getup. Like, <laughs> yes, he was a real work weight. It, just do it all in the ring guy. But Quentin, I think you overestimate what uh, message board Tony was saying there. Because if you recall, Chris Jericho, I don't even think made it to the Smarks Choice GWE like listings. So what, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. what <laughs> Tony was actually saying is he's just as good as he's ever been, which is not very good. Uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> But Tony, so I think Chris is like a, like a good bit older than Tony. Probably like, I think Tony's thirty nine, like four uh, four forty, and Chris is what fifty one, something like that. Yeah. So like 
So look, the thing that like the thing that I'm afraid of is that Tony is a guy that grew up watching Chris Jericho or would have been in, the, in that age range watching Chris Jericho, and he like actually, yeah, you know what? Chris Jericho really was the best wrestler in the world, and like I feel like <laughs> yeah. I feel like a part. I feel like somewhere deep down that Chris that Tony Khan really thinks that 2008 Chris Jericho was the best wrestler in the world. I feel like <laughs> I feel like that's yes. a real thing. Very, well, it's, well, it's Tony possible. told that story at the presser where he says he was like 13, 12 or 13 and he convinced his dad to take him to Chris's last show in ECW yes, and that he had a sign <laughs> praising Chris and was like getting outraged. Like, why is everyone else chanting, you sold out at my boy Chris? Like, so he was a huge early adopter to Jericho. Yes. And it also goes to show just where uh, Tony Khan's priorities have always been because everyone else was saying, you sold out for leaving us for money. And Tony was like, of course. <laughs> Why would he not go after making more money? He's doing the smart thing. All yeah. of you should understand that. Um, but, okay, so, Quentin, for the past couple of weeks, I have been pushing the narrative that this could be Chris Jericho's career year if you really went back and looked at it. Um, and somehow I finagled it so that within a half hour of this podcast, Chris Jericho's match is the only one that we've had a conversation about. <laughs> <laughs> so keep that in mind. Um, and we're going to see part it again. Yes. Uh, the <laughs> fucked up part about all of this, Quentin, is that I got you to commit to watching the pre-show for this show. <laughs> and uh, this this happened. So <sighs> did you watch the pre-show? I did. You did? I did. All right. All right. So let's let's open it up. Um, I thought that the first match, the AAA mixed tag match was like pretty good for a car crash match. What do you guys think? It was it was it was fine. I didn't I didn't have I didn't have much thoughts on I, I'm not gonna lie like again by the time I got to watch sure. the show everything had every, everything had happened <laughs> so while I yes. agreed to watch all this when I open when I opened up the open up the file to watch the pre-show I'm like still kind of processing that there's yes. a lot going on by that point yes <laughs> Trav you got anything on this yeah, no I, I enjoy I, I agree I thought it was like fun enough for a uh, pre-show opener like obviously not a central viewing I felt bad for Ruby Soho for getting her face exploded I felt like by the end of the night like I don't even see I don't even know if they gave her gave any updates on her like yeah. you know, within minutes it was like oh god is she okay and by the end yeah. of the night it was like I don't think <laughs> people like she could have died and no one have bothered to mention so i I, right. I feel like she's another person we could just compile a list of like the victims of all out night of people that just like had accolades or horrors that were for completely forgotten within hours talk about a great way to open the night right i mean yeah. people were going crazy can i just say that people really need to calm the fuck down with how overprotective and and cautious they are i mean I don't know if everybody here is familiar with Sally Stitches, but like the bump machine that fucking Heidi Lovelace has been her entire career. Me, Quentin, I don't know if we've even talked about it, but I got Sam uh, handwork to review the uh, Heidi Lovelace versus Jordan Grace Falls Count Anywhere match, which is just fucking wild and brutal, crazy thing. Like the the wagon wheel slam kick thing where Ruby Soho slightly fell on the side of her head and neck. And everyone was freaking out like she was fucking Hayabusa or yeah. something. Like, <laughs> calm the fuck down. It was slow motion. You're trying to tell me Ty Mello kicked her in the side of the head with such velocity that like she was going to hit the mat and 17 vertebrae shattered. I mean, it was so fucking slow. She fell from such a, a, a low height. Sammy Guevara is an idiot and a jackass, but he's never been dangerous to other people. I'll say he's <laughs> definitely always been dangerous to himself. If you remember, one thing that always sticks in my mind is Sammy Guevara doing the 630 senton in a 
not a triple A main show, but like a fucking, you know, triple A B or C show house <laughs> show match to Penta and Penta moved and he hit just a concrete boxing ring on a 630. Jesus. And mm. it was one of the most brutal fucking bumps you'll ever see. It looked like, you know, the old school WWF ring that's like a boxing ring. Yeah. It's ne- this guy loves to take stupid ass bumps, but he's never been the kind of guy who fucks with other with his opponents, you know? So like yeah, yeah people need to calm the fuck down. I, I I agree, but you know that's you know people are when it comes to that kind of stuff. Sure, people lost their mind because of of the the bloodbath match with uh, TJ and uh, and the bunny and um, oh god, I can't remember who the fourth girl Penelope like you know because women bladed they freaked the fuck out you know people can't deal with seeing a woman who's like you know has any kind of substance to her or is willing to like you know do this job. And it's sad because it's the same people who fucking complain and say that the women need more TV time, but then they don't want to give them the same respect that they give to men. Anyways, yeah. moving on. Any, I guess, feel free to respond. No, no, I, I think you guys covered it all. Yeah. Hook and Angelo Parker, fine. I don't know. I mean, you know, I like 2.0 and everything, but this is just what it is. I was surprised at how much Hook, like, that might have been the most Hook sold in his career. It was for, I didn't expect sure. Angelo Parco, Parker <laughs> to be the first guy, like, let's test out, like, how Hook can sell. But maybe that's a sign that they're, like, you need to, we need to start giving you, like, reps on things other than the four moves you do. So, yeah. I do kind of like Team Taz is gone, so he doesn't have that kind of that power force around him protecting him like he's like impervious yeah. so then now he yeah sells and stuff more well now he has action bronze so he, sure, he he's true. the entire power force right uh quentin any thoughts no i, I, I agree i agree with trevor there that it's kind of interesting that angelo is the one that would get all this offense on him especially when you look at what 2.0 is in aw and it's not like they don't have any like zero credibility or whatever but it's like if there's anyone that should be getting that would get treated like a nerd, it would be Angelo Parker, and like he just kind of wasn't. Granted, it was still yeah. like more in the vein of a squash than anything, but it was still like, eh, you know, if there's anyone that could just get squashed like that, you would say it's a 2.0 guy. So you could say it's more reflective of them wanting to see Hook develop. You could see you could say it's reflective of them liking 2.0. But I, I I I did find that find that interesting. I thought it was executed well, though. Still, I I enjoy hook matches. Yeah, what, what it do you felt think almost. Oh, like, oh, I was just gonna say it almost oh. felt like if AEW had house shows, like what they would kind of do for a guy that needs to learn. Like you're gonna win, you're gonna do the things the fans want to see, but we're gonna have a few extra minutes where you kind of do something you don't have a lot of experience with. Um, I'll say number one. I was gonna say I've heard some people bag on uh, Axon Bronson for not looking like a fucking drip god out here, but it's like he was getting in the <laughs> ring, getting physical. So what do you expect him to wear? But Quentin, what do you think about Action Bronson getting involved? <laughs> I'm this not is, like this... on this, but I mean in general, like as a rap, like star, or whatever. Uh, Go ahead. He's he occupies an interesting space where I feel like a lot of people know who he is, right. uh, but a lot of people feel like haven't really heard like a lot of Bronson music if you weren't around for a certain time period. Like if you weren't around for like that kind of like 2012, 2013, like 2014 range where I felt like Bronson was kind of like on his way to breaking out for like real mainstream success. So you might not have even like, you might know who Bronson is, but I've never heard a song from him. So yes, he has a really dope catalog. I like him a lot. He's very consistent and very good. Uh, if you could ever get past the 
the video where Ghostface Killer is like making fun of him for like 15 <laughs> minutes straight or some shit. Like yes, but, but, <laughs> it's literally one of my one of my favorite <laughs> videos. About that, yeah, it's yeah. one of my favorite videos of all time. Uh, uh, but if you if you can get past that, he has a really 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 good catalog and like him the pro wrestling has been a thing that's made sense and is like it made sense for a while and i'm glad to see that like glad to see it finally happening yeah um all right uh pot kiss kip sabian um quentin me and you have been maybe the <laughs> highest people on kip sabian is that is that true to- Yes, most people I don't, like question that he should even be employed. I don't like I don't like being attributed to like Kip Sabian praise. I don't. I know. I'm not a fan of this. I'm not saying that like we're saying he's great or anything, but people act like like he shouldn't even be on TV or something. You know, um, I I don't even know what the fuck this was. I honestly have nothing to say about this. Feel free. Yeah, I I, I was willing to give this like you know a chance because they've been building Kip's return up somewhat with BCE and him appearing in the crowd and stuff and yeah I don't I don't know I don't know I don't don't know it's funny because he he came out clearly like with a new look and he had the energy of a guy's like you know this is my big shot and you know that was kind of exciting and then he got in the ring and you know, I, I think Kip Sabian's like a rice, what I would call a rice cake wrestler, where there's nothing, I guess, technically wrong with him. It's just there's nothing. I don't ever want a rice cake. I mean, but and, and, he, and he was still that guy in the ring. And it was funny because then you transition to die or I mean, after the match, and it seems like he went from unappreciated guy to now he is basically Al Snow with head 2022. And I was like, yeah. I don't know where this is going. <laughs> Do people forget that Al Snow was like a good wrestler? <laughs> is that one of those like I feel like when people say that it feels like, like was he really a good wrestler? Is this like one of those mythological he was a good wrestler things? Because and it's like I just I, it just feels like whenever people say that and Al Snow sure. that I have seen from Smoky Mountain, I'm like okay, all right, are we are we sure we're gonna go that far? <laughs> okay, he's technically solid. Like, I don't know. I, you know, you know, good enough. I don't know. Like, 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 how was he compared to like the good Armstrong it's, brothers? Like, how good is he compared to? Oh, them? not nothing. I mean, any. I don't think there's a single Armstrong brother I would list below Al Snow. Not I know, even but like, I, but I feel like there, like there are certain people that would like have like the like uh that have certain Armstrong brothers on like a GWE list if you're like that crazy enough. But like, <laughs> but like. I kind, of, I kind of feel like have them as like my like kind of like barometer of like okay were you actually a good wrestler like were you as good as an Armstrong or not and I'm not sure I could put like Al Snow there. I feel I like mean, the problem with Al Snow might be like he wrestled so long in places and situations where he couldn't show that you like I haven't seen a lot of the early Al Snow stuff but like even if he was great it's almost like now a drop in the Al Snow career bucket. Like, I feel like I've spent sure. so much, way more of his career hearing people go, you know, Al Snow is actually good than actually seeing him be really good. No, I mean, there's not very, it's, I don't know how to describe it. Like, technically proficient. The, you know, like, not a bad wrestler, 
always there, a night off kind of guy, right? Easy to work with from yeah. all accounts, but not interesting. And that's the thing is it's like, why, why then make any um, defense of him? Because based on his own barometer, that means he's a bad wrestler because he's the one who said that the best match ever was uh, Hulk versus Andre because it drew the biggest house. Yeah, he is literally Mr. Yeah, you are judged by how much money you make, which is like the biggest self-owned he could possibly yeah, say. Which again, Trevor, he falls into your camp where he, you know, under promises and over delivers. So I mean, that's fair enough. Yeah. He says, like wrestling, being a good wrestler is based on drawing people, and I draw dog shit, so I'm actually a bad wrestler. I um, love that quote of Al Snow from one of his shoots where, you know, he's so cranky, but was telling about how, you know, fans think they know everything that went like viral a few weeks ago, just from people that don't follow wrestling. Like this guy knows what it's about. You can apply this to anything. And it's like, you should watch the rest of that video. Guys. Like, Oh yeah. <laughs> he goes off in other directions. You, you have pruned <laughs> a little pea, a, a piece of fruit from this tree. You don't want the rest of the tree. Okay, so here's where it comes down now. Here's the real question. Is Al Snow a good wrestler? I don't know. Probably not. It's up for debate. Is he better than Chris Jericho? Maybe. Um, <laughs> but the real question is, Al Snow, I've never heard any open contention, any confirmation that he's a libertarian. So is he smarter than Val Venus? <laughs> oh, this is a good question. <laughs> This is a I, see. I'd much rather do this than all out. I'm not going to lie. I'm like I'd much rather. I'd much right. Rather do Let's this. break this one down. This is okay. So we so we both agree. So we so we can agree that they're both dumber than Kevin Nash. <laughs> of course, Kevin okay. Nash is one of the smartest wrestlers of all time. Okay, so they're both dumber than Kevin Nash. Okay. Uh, I think. <laughs> Man, this is actually really tough because there's like the bad Al Snow stuff is so bad. <laughs> I know, I know, but I gotta, I gotta give it to Al Snow just because he's not a libertarian. Like that's my final answer, really, when it comes down to it. Uh, <laughs> I feel I like love that you are legitimately like burning brain cells and are stumped on bracket. Yeah, look, when this comes out, I feel like this will be an actual question. <laughs> we'll have to take yes. People will have to stop and think about this one. Gun to my head, I I feel like I'm gonna regret. I feel like I'm gonna say Val Venus is like a tad bit smarter. All right, you've heard it here first, guys. <laughs> Trevor, you can't get out of this without getting an answer. Um, <laughs> I, okay, here's the thing. I think Al Snow might be slightly smarter, but I also think Al Snow probably thinks he is way smarter, which almost makes me resent that. You know, like yes. I almost rather, I would rather the guy <laughs> yes. that's a little bit dumber that maybe is like a little more honest with themselves than the guy who's like media, like slightly below average intelligence and thinks they're a genius. Yeah, Al Snow. Okay, so here's my final answer. Al Snow was smart enough to buddy buddy and kiss ass up to a better, more popular wrestler than himself in Mick Foley. Val Venus, there, Val Venus doesn't have a better wrestler that he tried to suck up to in history. So that just proves that he was dumb enough to think that he was going to be able to do it on his own. Actually, you know what? That's that. That's the best point. Is that Al Snow has found a way to continue getting attention and making some level of money from wrestling. I think probably above Val Venus. So, actually, yeah, th that, I mean, that who, sells it for who, me. Who need, I mean, who needs wrestling when you have weed? That's the thing. 
that's the real comparison what's the better weed brand the vel venus weed brand or the kevin nash weed brand? oh uh, come on <laughs> you know you got to get that jackknife pack <laughs> <laughs> um okay. eddie kingston versus tomohiro ishi quinton can you confirm that this is better than the marafuji match yes i can it is indeed okay. better than the marafuji match <laughs> it is for sure Trevor, can, better can, for can sure i did not this? see <laughs> yeah um Mar- eddie kingston wrestled marafuji in like a seven minute match for house of oh yeah Glory i heard Mass. it was so short yeah it was fantastic um it was like really worth the really worth going and checking out but no this was i mean this was what you would want from this um but actually maybe it's not what you would want from this but it's also it's Ishii in 2022 a- yeah, there's a I there's mean, a there's know. a wor- version of this match that happens in like 2015 or whatever, 2014. They like even go further back. It's like yeah, yeah, even better and like has a lot more like depth and substance to it. But like at the same time, if you want to go out there and just have like a guys being dumb and hitting the hitting the fuck out of each other kind of match, then like there's not many guys you would rather see do it against each other uh, yeah. more than Eddie Kingston and Ishii. So I was fine with that. I'm fine just kind of getting like that surface level experience from them. Will this will it kind of remain like a what if match? Because yeah, they kind of have like similar skill sets. Like I feel like people always talk about like the hard hitting side of Ishii, same thing with Eddie Kingston, but like they're both like all time great sellers. And I would have loved to see like a younger Ishii and a young and a younger and a younger Kingston get in there and you know just get like 20 minutes to go out there and go crazy with each other. Like that'd be awesome. Yeah. And the sort of they could tell I would love, but you know, they were, they were kind of two shifts passing in the night, and I'm just happy that they're even getting to interact. Like, this is their second singles match. Like, to say that in general is really cool. And I would have loved to have seen it in 2014, but eh, whatever. Like, I'll take it now. Yeah. Fev? Um, yeah, I really liked it. I, I thought it was probably, like, my least favorite of the Eddie Kingston AEW, like, pay-per-view menu buffet that he's given because he's been you know I, I i you know for example i like the chris jericho eddie kingston match better so you know i think that proves that chris jericho is better than ishii and uh <sighs> I, rumors are chris jericho is better than he's ever been and i, I think that much yeah. proves it but uh, <laughs> no um <laughs> uh, no but uh I, I i you know it was fun i i, I agree with quentin that like um you know it was maybe a little like kind of just meat and potatoes like we're just going to hit each other a lot but but it was really you know it was, that's re- that's really enjoyable and i do think you know i've talked about that online i think a lot of other people know like that moment where you know they botched the move and eddie kingston had the presence of mind to immediately go from a botched move to selling that he was hurt to playing possum with like no pause like his brain just immediately went there like i thought that was so legitimately impressive because I feel like a lot of wrestlers, even if they save the move, like like in the way kind of the way Eddie did, like it takes them a few seconds to kind of think, what are, you know, what am I gonna do? How am I gonna like cope with this? And he just did it instantaneously. I don't know if I've ever seen someone like cope, like like recover from a botch immediately like that, which really impressed me. Yeah, I mean, you know. Trevor, thank you for bringing that up because this is the only chance that we have you on here, so we might as well put you on record. Um, is Eddie Kingston the greatest wrestler uh, in the world right now? Is Eddie Kingston actually the best wrestler and everyone who's saying it's Moxley is wrong? Uh, because it feels like you just made the case there. <laughs> um, 
God, he's the best. <laughs> he might be the best absolute total package right now in terms of promos into angles that just make you care into almost always can be counted to have a great match. Like, you yeah. know, you, a lot of wrestlers, you can dice up and go, oh, they're better at this aspect, they're at this aspect. But, but to me, if you just like the guy who's doing every aspect the best overall, I mean, it's hard to argue with him. Yeah, he's fucking phenomenal. But I just thought about that as you were talking. I was like, oh, you know, Trevor never really talks about Eddie on podcasts. I guess you probably tweet about how great he is all the time, but um, might as well get you to commit. Okay, show proper opens up. Um, the Joker or Casino ladder match with the Joker and everything. Everyone, I think, knows what happens here. Um, this is my thing. And the kind of my talking point coming out of this is uh, they got way too ambitious with a bunch of goofy shit. Obviously, we need Ethan Page back because from, you know, what they've said in the past, he used to be in, involved in like agenting the cluster fucky kind of matches like this and the battle royals and stuff. Um, so, you know, no ego means that these matches are weird and bad. But no, like these guys going trying to come up with like weird contraptions and shit with the ladders. It's like, just leave that, you know, leave that alone. Don't even mess with that stuff. It's like always too involved. Not worth it. Ends up not paying off. Um and that people like saying like, oh, I feel so bad for whatever wrestler. I feel so bad for this guy. I feel so bad for this person. I feel so bad for, uh, for, um, oh God, I was going to say Heidi Lovelace, Ruby Soho, you know, for getting injured, for getting beat up. I feel bad for, you know, whoever it is, Ricky Starks. I feel bad for MJF for getting overshadowed by punk at the press conference. Like, fuck off. He did the same thing last time. Um, here, the only person I think coming out of this show that anyone should feel bad for is Dante Martin. Because this guy came out here for the ladder match. This was his spot to shine. As soon as he starts to try to hit a sequence, a fucking weird ladder starts falling over, gets completely in the way, shakes up and messes up everything that he's doing. And then on top of that, he's in this ladder match that was clearly an afterthought for the angle that was after the match itself. So even the match itself was like a fucking just an angle afterthought in it in the moment. For, and then it becomes part of the biggest afterthought show of all time. And this again, like this was supposed to be something that kind of solidified him and felt like it could have been a big breakout moment for him. And it just ended up being like completely nothing. So uh, that's my takeaways here. And then obviously the post-match stuff, but I don't, whatever, we can talk about it later or not. Um, feel free, Trevor. Uh, yeah, I, I agree about the Dante Martin thing where I almost wonder, like, there there's a line where you almost are too good in these matches if you're not going to get, like, I don't know what the, their future plans are him, but I feel like sometimes in these ladder matches, there becomes a designated guy in promotions where they're like so athletically gifted and so creative that's like, we're going to put you in these until the end of time. And the one thing that does start getting depressing is if they like rarely, if ever win them. And I just felt like watching this match, I was like, you are now going to, you're going to get booked in one of the, in every single one of these forever. And like, I hope you get to actually get elevated and win one of these because you are going to be the guy that's going to be expected probably to carry like the crazy memorable spot load in these matches for years to come. Probably. I for for me, I just as I see Dante in these spots, like isn't it like the was MJF versus Dante that main event of Dynamite? That was this year, right? Yeah, I think so. Oh, jeez, yeah. yeah, yeah. You was. know, like, you know, that was like this year, and like there's been a bunch of reasons as to why, like you know, Derry's coming back and then Derry's getting injured again, and like just other people coming in and. Other time, other time, other time to fill establishing certain names, like, but yeah, like that doesn't that feels like so 
long ago and that was supposed that, to be like this kind of like planting the flag solidifying moment for Dante Martin and now he's just kind of back at square one it feels like and they're, they're look, if they're familiar with him it's not like they forgot who Dante Martin is but it's like geez like and then you add on the fact that of course he's an afterthought in this match where you would think he's poised to have like a big huge breakout like go viral with clips on bleacher report kind of performance and it just doesn't happen okay so to to clarify quentin now i understand the reason why you got this mixed up because your brain is stuck in um the observer calendar so that was december of last year but oh if you're doing observer award voting technically that was this (laughs) okay which i know that that's how you think about things no i'm a a noted noted day fanatic and just can't get enough of the observer (laughs) but yeah that was it was like late december last year but close enough i mean might as well be this year it was which is funny because that was like the dynamite uh, ring thing, which like they did for two years, and and both times MJF won it, and then it feels like I don't know, I don't think that's coming back. But that also felt like it was a Cody thing, right? Probably. That's yeah, that, that, that feels very Cody ish. Yeah, or maybe it was uh, DDP. Anyways, I, I hate that when he won the second diamond ring thing, he just got to keep the same diamond ring and didn't get like a second one. Like, yeah, does that mean like <laughs> yeah, you, you, yeah. the match is literally just, you get to rent a ring for you. Like, a year, yeah, like yeah, you, you just get to lease a ring for a year. Yeah, exactly. Like that makes <laughs> yeah. it way less cool. <laughs> yeah. That's um, that's like having to play the squid games to pay for the, um, the promotion that you accidentally fucked up by <laughs> tweeting creepy stuff. Um, it's the same situation, you know? um either way next match aew trios title match okay so tell me that this is not fucked up the trios titles i said that they should have main evented the show i don't know if i'm right now after what ended up happening but that's what i was saying but if they're not going to main event then should they not have opened the show it's really fucking weird that they were the second match on the show and then you had two more trios matches after this my only theory on that is that they thought this is our insurance policy that if if people are like really negative that we didn't give them like a traditional finish on the ladder match, we do it right at the start of the show. We have to because we want to do this cute bookend storyline. And then we will put like one of the probably most likely to just steal the crowd's attention matches immediately afterwards, just as insurance. Like if the crowd turns on us, this will get them right back. And they probably did not have the confidence in like FTR and Wardlow to be able to do that. That's but yeah, fair. it was weird then seeing those matches follow where it was like, yeah, it's really weird that you have the trios tournament, I mean, title match, and then you're getting like this random trios match to follow. Yeah, yeah that that made it come off very weird too. Uh, Quentin, do you have any thoughts on that? No, I I agree. Match. Uh, well, I want to talk about the match. Yeah, we can talk about the match. Um, no, I agree. I thought it would have, I thought that made the most sense as an opener because. I feel like either way, like the ladder matches, the oohs and ahs, and no matter what, people were going to be interested in the Joker, no matter where you place that match. Mm-hmm. I feel like with the Joker thing looming, and since it wound up being an MJF thing anyway, people would have been interested no matter where you put that match. So I don't think you necessarily needed needed it to have needed to have that open the show, uh, and I- that way, like you maximize everything with the crowd uh, for the for the for the trios match. The match itself. Uh, probably my probably my second favorite match on the show. I thought it w- I thought it was really good and pretty much exactly how I expected it to go 
and to B. I I think I would have expected a Dark Order win, but um, I guess I was still thinking of the idea of like uh, Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly like maybe having something to do with the finish and spinning sure. and spinning off into a program there with the Elite. Uh, but I guess I'm, I'm of the belief that if those two didn't come back on the show in the Elite One, then they're probably more hurt than we know at this point in time. So just going with the Elite and having them, well, before everything happened, uh, yeah. <laughs> the Elite uh, win just, 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 made, just made sense. But I thought the match was really great. Uh, Alex Reynolds, a guy that does get shit on and forgotten in his app, thought, which makes sense. And every, people are definitely very right to uh, dismiss Alex, Alex Reynolds, but I thought he held up his end of the bargain here, and with the other five guys involved, like, there was no way it was going to be anything less than great. I loved all the Silver and Young Bucks interactions in here. I thought I thought it was great. Kenny and Silver, like, it's all the possible interactions and combinations we got, I thought were really good, and Reynolds held up his end of the deal. Yeah. So, okay, so based on that, from what you guys said, and it still kind of goes with what I, what my thinking, um, I think that the final thing that they should have done on the pre-show was the casino ladder match. I think that that should have been the last thing on the pre-show. I think that you should have closed out with the Joker thing and even teased that you were going to reveal the Joker as the pay-per-view goes off the air. I mean, if you're really trying to pretend like the point of the pre-show is to get people to watch the pay-per-view, I think teasing a reveal of a mystery person is a great way to be like, now pay for the pay-per-view to see who this guy is yeah um and then open the actual show (laughs) yes thank you thank you um (laughs) and then open the actual show with uh with the the pay-per-view or with the the trios title match and then yeah i agree with everything you said there quentin obviously the you know when it comes to the the what is it the united elite or whatever the fuck they call them undisputed elite (laughs) um that the most injured person of the group is obviously bobby fish uh mentally uh And uh, and I was thinking, okay, what are we going to do with these guys? What are we going to do? Because obviously Bobby Fish is out. Kyle's out for a while. Cole's going to come back sooner than Kyle. So maybe spin Cole off, do his own thing. And you know what I'm thinking is Kyle could get a couple new partners and we could bring in um, team statutory and have Kyle, Davey, and Joey Ryan challenging for the trio. Oh, yeah. oh. You know, I'm, could I'm, you I'm, imagine? That would, I think. <laughs> I, don't, I think I think Tony's really brainstorming and trying to figure things out right now, and uh, you know that, that 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 might be that might be what the what the company needs. I think so. <laughs> I think team team statutory is really what twenty twenty two is looking for. Um, Trevor, what did you think about the trios title match? Uh, I I thought it was great. I I, I think it was, that was probably one of my favorite matches on the show. I I think it delivered exactly what you'd hope. Of from that level on those uh those guys I, I thought those near falls at the end were they really got i think got the crowd to buy into on a couple near falls that maybe the dark order could win which i think a lot of fans probably thought there's no like no way because they probably just assumed this is immediately going to go into yeah like an undisputed elite or whatever elite feud but yeah i it sounds like all those guys are gonna be out a long time because people have been kind of vague but just hearing people on Twitter talk about Adam Cole, like maybe his concussion is like an almost uh yeah, 
is this ever going to get better type thing, you know, which can happen to athletes, yeah. uh, you know, Kyle O'Reilly just had serious, what was it like neck fusion surgery or something like that, or shoulder surgery. Yes. And then Bobby Fish is in his own mental dimension. Like it's, yeah. So I, I think the fact that they got the crowd to buy that, you know, that these guys could, their opponents could win and yeah, really, really good match. I mean, I feel like those guys at this point could probably, have a, one of those kinds of matches with a lot of people because, but not to take anything away from like John Silver or like I agree with Quentin, like Alex Reynolds, you know, he held up his end of this match. He did exactly what he had to do to be a part of a really good match. Yeah. Well, and to be fair, I mean, those guys, the elite, when it comes to the elite, you say they can have this kind of match or this level of match with anyone, but uh, not for a while, it seems they won't be having this kind of match with anyone uh, <laughs> or any matches at all. Um, okay. Uh, Athena, I was going to say Kira Hogan. Athena goes up against Kira Hogan's leader in uh, Jade Cargill. Um, relatively quick, obviously. Not what, of, I, uh, not, not what I yeah. expected at all. Feels, unfortunately, like a, a taking Jade backwards kind of move that feels not the right way to be going. Um, I just I need Jade to be wrestling a lot more. I like this. I think that she's a star. I've argued in the past that I think an AEW show doesn't feel complete if you don't get a Jade match. And I think that they should take that tact as well and start booking her more frequently. Um, that said, I mean, good stuff. I feel like people going a little bit overboard with the Athena stuff here, like acting as if like, oh, she was so great because she was able to do this with Jade. Like Jade is nothing and Jade is bad. And I'm just like, that's. I don't think so. I'm not saying that necessarily Athena is not good. Athena's obviously a good wrestler. Um, maybe, I don't know, in between, like people are like trying to overhype her in the like fuck WWE thing where they're like, oh, they wasted her and never used her right. So actually she's great and she's one of the best wrestlers in the world just as a way to like compensate for that. But I don't think that that's right either. Like I think Athena's good, but not amazing. Um, I think that Jade is better than people give her credit for in the ring and obviously like money, whatever. But yeah, I, I don't know. Thoughts on the match? Uh, yeah, shorter than I expected. Uh, again, I really don't know what to make of the Jade stuff, honestly. Like, it's at a point where it's so weird. And again, there's nothing wrong with short matches. And for what it was like, for how, for how long is the match one, I did enjoy it. Um, I am getting a, a, a part of me is, I, I don't know if they would just suddenly just, want to change course on jade like that i don't believe that's the case so part of me just keeps wondering again it's complete speculation i don't know anything like is jade hurt or something like i don't know why they keep doing that because it just it's so weird and there'd be no actual reasoning for it that would make sense because it's not like she hasn't improved so i don't know what will be possibly going on as to where like you know you're kind of put, putting the putting her in these positions where you feel like you're still going overboard to protect her and you should protect her as a star protect her as a commodity but he's getting to the point again where they're going to the she's like a baby deer that can't work type of deal either and i'm just not sure if that's a health precaution or they lost faith in her somehow but it it's getting a little weird yeah, um, I I saw a lot of people not like this match. I actually think I liked it a lot, not a lot more, but I like I liked it more than I think at least people in my corner of the internet liked it. I mean, sure. it wasn't great, but I I thought you know it was kind of ambitious for you know the time they were trying to kind of just 
kind of sprint and, and, you know, pack action into things. They weren't really like slowing it down. And I also feel like the crowd was more into it considering that I had to follow the ladder match and the six man. Yeah. I feel like there were lulls in the show and the, like the law that you would expect for this match, I feel like happened right after this match. Like, you know, it's not like the fans were going, you know, like tearing down the building, but they, you know, they were more into it than I thought they were happy to see like these two, you know, go out there and do some stuff for a while. And, yeah, I feel like Jade, you know, she's another person that she kind of probably needs more matches like the Hook Angela Parker match, but, you know, matches on T where it's like, you have some things you do incredibly well. We need just matches where you have an opportunity in like low pressure situations to practice the things you don't do well, because she, she almost reminds me of like a younger John Cena in the sense of like, when you would see like a younger John Cena, you would see aspects of his wrestling where you're like, you already know how to do some things that like some 20 year vets like don't know how to do. Like there's certain ways you connect yeah. or little things you do. And then there are some things that like I've seen first year students pick up that you are still struggling with. And that's always like the most interesting talent for me is the people that are like, they just know some things you can't teach, but they're still struggling to pick up some things that you very much can, which is um, those people always just fascinate me. Yeah, I can definitely uh, see why that's an intriguing combination of of assets there. Um, next, the trios match. Okay, so this is the thing, Quentin, before when we did the preview, I talked about how, oh, we've got like all these multiple trios matches on the show. It's perfect because we can set up a hierarchy and we can feel like we're building a trios division. And then obviously we can see what happens when they have to vacate the titles in the match that they put together that was already put together as like the new crowning the new champions thing. And it just... It made me look like a fucking ass, basically. Tony Khan made me look like an idiot because these tr other trios matches on the show really did felt like they put no fucking emphasis on the idea that this is part of the same division. This is the no concept of like these are attributing to the hierarchy of the trios, you know, titles. And it's just like I'm just like, why did you fucking squander the opportunity here? Like it's that's like lazy, stupid, sloppy booking that like I guess you can get away with because you know, like they say, oh, the main event is what draws the money or whatever. That's the only thing anyone pays to see. But like it's just very obnoxious to me to think like, oh, Tony, Mr. Details, Mr. Fucking, oh, he's one of us. He's the message board guy. It's like, okay, well, why didn't he even put any thought into that? Something very basic that I saw. Why didn't he not put any effort into it? Either way, I enjoyed the match. I just want to, again, take take pot shots at people's opinions that I've seen online, because that's what I'm known for. Um, people who are like saying, like, the Motor City Machine Guns, what the fuck are they doing being heels? What, what are I, they doing here on the bad guy side? Yeah, I'm sorry, I, but you're just admitting you don't know jack shit about the Motor City Machine Guns. Yeah, that's the, that was that was an interesting... When people were like, oh, like... When the when, when the machine guns show up, people are just gonna like cheer and like all they want to do is like, cheer these guys. There's there's such natural baby faces. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. again, I get it. Not everyone, uh, like I, God bless people, the people that aren't that aren't that versed in 2017 A. But like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, exactly. But but like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, you don't know anything about the machine guns if you like if you think about if you don't know anything about about those guys work as heels like you could argue that both of them are better as heels like individually too like chris saban's like career like heel work as a delusion as as, as the, the delusional heel champ or just delusional guy on the roster when he came back from all those injuries at a certain point was the best character work chris saban's ever done alex shelley is like damn near career heel in a lot of ways 
So, it, it, I it, mean, it, he's it, really only been like a baby face like lately, like yeah, recently. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah in, in in New Japan, really, he's been a baby face. But other but sure, other sure. than that, like yeah, like Alex Shelley, you could argue like a career heel. So that that was funny. But I was like, okay, cool. Like I I guess people only just know flashy baby face offense, and these guys are the Rock and Roll Express. Like now, these guys yeah. are these guys are heels or have been heels a lot of the time. Yeah, as a team and singles. Go ahead, Trevor. Oh, I was just gonna say we're at the point through the years in like the Ring of Honor timeline where we're in like early two thousand, early to mid two thousand six, where this was still the period where Ring of Honor just put a uh, Shelley and Jimmy Rave together in the Embassy as like just a tag team and. Alex Shelley, it's like the most fun you can have is he's just the most old school ass showing stooging heel like complete while everyone else is trying to seem like the coolest hippest guy. He is just like begging off and getting embarrassed and yeah, like I I feel like yeah people miss out like to me that is what he's best at is just he is so good at being the kind of heel that you just love to laugh at even you know. Yeah, but so yeah, the idea. Yeah, I mean, that's even what like the paparazzi, you know, paparazzi uh, got productions thing was. He's like delusional loser who's trying to hang on to the more famous guy, you know, like that whole thing. It's like God, the guy is such a good heel. When he first came into TNA, he was a heel with um, Goldilocks and Abyss. He was, you know, the baby bear, bear Alex Shelley. Mm. He was the the smaller, you know, he's got the big backup, but he's cocky. All that's the guy again. The Quentin put it the best, I think. Their career heel throughout, yeah. Through ROH, he comes in in is he in Generation Next or yeah? He, he in, he's the yeah. original leader of Generation Next. Yeah, he's in Generation Next. Then he's in the Embassy. Like, okay, this guy's a baby face. Oh yeah, of course. Why would you bring in Alex Shelley as a fucking baby face or as a heel? Like, I mean, ROH. His entire run was yeah, pretty again, much as a heel. Yeah, again, if you if you want to say that about say that about Saban, fine. And again, God bless you if you're not that well versed in like 2010s TNA Chris Saban. That's <laughs> awesome. But the guy that, that his work was pretty solid. Like I can't like I can't think that that was like some really good character character work he was doing. Uh, yeah. This was this was good though. Um, clearly, what everyone wants to see out of this is. Uh, FTR and machine and machine guns tag, whether that's on a dynamite yeah. or a rampage or whatever. Like, and hopefully that happens. Like maybe ROH, like wherever it happens. Like we clearly want to clearly want to see a machine guns and FT, FTR tag come from this. And the interactions here were were were, were strong enough as to where I would definitely love to uh, still see that. And it just made me more excited for that. Uh, Wardlow, I <laughs> I think it's always funny to like. And I get it, like, it's a new company. We're always concerned about how they're going to do things. Uh, but it's always just funny to me, like, the dialogue about Wardlow. And what we were talking yeah. about, it was like, the dude is always, like, people do this, and then the dude just remains to be popular and over. And yeah. it doesn't show any signs of stopping or slowing down, especially with seemingly a bunch of spots at the top of the roster opening up. That, exactly. That I, don't, I don't see Wardlow just becoming a becoming less popular at this point in time. Yeah. FTR FTR versus Motor City Machine Guns is good too because it can kind of it can be a facsimile of um of FTR and the Bucks trying to do Midnights and Rock and Roll, but it'll be like FTR can just do the Rock and Roll Express thing and then Motor City Machine Guns can do what they've what they've done their entire career, which is being 
the modern version of the Midnight Express, like, because that's basically what they've always done. So it'll just be like the perfect thing because they've always done like the 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 Midnight's, but like doing modern moves. So yeah. FTR can just do Rock and Roll Express like straight out the box. They don't even have to update it. Just be Rock and Roll Express because yeah, the Bucks and FTR kind of trying to do the same thing, and especially having it swapped with the Bucks being the baby faces and FTR being the heels didn't, does is not going to work as well as this. Um, Trevor, feel free if you have anything else to say about the match. Uh, yeah, I I was just gonna say yeah, I agree. This was a good match. I think this was the first match on the show where you could kind of get the crowd hangover where this was the match where they were like, okay, we've seen already some big stuff and this big cliffhanger thing. And now we're maybe not going to give this match quite the reaction. Like maybe it warrants Um, Tim, I'm going to take you to test though. Cause you're saying, Hey, like this is not showing good hierarchy by doing the uh, trios title match first. And then this, well, how do you know this is not building as like maybe a pseudo number one contenders match for the real top six man titles in all of wrestling, the ring of honor six man title match. I mean, how That's do you true. know this is not building to the boys in Dalton castle versus, uh, are those, are they the, are they the champions? <laughs> yeah. They wanted the last ring yeah. of honor pay-per-view. They put the titles on them. Oh yeah. Over, um, oh God. What is the name of that group? Vinny's oh, I group. Forget. Um, uh, oh, fucking, uh, oh, God. none of us. Know. <laughs> I, I know it's it Dutch. Vinny and I can't even remember who the third. The righteous, the, that's the righteous it, yes. Vincent yes. Bateman and Dutch. Oh yes, Bateman. I was just like, oh, it's Bateman. I'm such a fucking fake fan for not remembering Bateman because he's like a SoCal guy. Fuck. Um, yeah, yeah. They they lost him to the boys in Dalton Castle, which is like, has, has anyone heard from them recently? Um, no. <laughs> Hobbs and Starks. This I was predicting this at possibly being a show sealer, and we end up getting five minutes, and it's fine. What do you guys have to say? I I uh, was disappointed. I thought this was going to be like Ricky Stark's time to shine. I mean, I guess they have different plans. Like coming out of it, I, I guess the report. What I think like Sean Ross Sapp or someone said something to the effect of this match was supposed to go longer, and for some reason they went short, and also that like. Will Hobbs is going to get a big push. And to me, this felt like the first chapter of something larger, but I felt like, I don't know, maybe I'm just being too nitpicky, but I just felt like Ricky Starks was kind of the kind of promos building up this where you feel like he's got to win this match because they're just the most impact. Like when you start, start shedding tears, like you can't lose clean after that to me. Like my, my thought was like, when you show that much emotion, that's the emotion you show right before you're about to get a huge win. And yeah, maybe he could have cheated, but no, like Rick, Will Hobbs just beat him completely clean. And I was like, I mean, it was shocking, but I, it, it, it was one of those things where I almost can't summon my like rational feelings about the match just because I just, my, my takeaway was just, I holy cow, I did not expect this to be what we got on this night. Well, okay. So to be fair, that's the kind of promo that you cut before you win a match or you sing an Oasis song with Tyson <laughs> Yeah. Well, so, see, I'm disappointed we didn't get that either. If he, you know, not if get that a little bit, you know, um, Wonderwall or whatever, then sure, great. <laughs> of course. Um, yeah. Okay, Trevor, is it hard for you? Is it because of the self-deprecating thing? Is that why you don't root for powerhouse hops? Well, I told. I don't know if you guys are this. I told. This will not be as good as the pallet story, but um. Oh damn. <laughs> so, for people that don't know, um. 
I used to post most of my life. Uh, my username was Hobbs, so people would know that. And uh, to the point where once Tony Khan had a private conversation to me where he like got mildly annoyed at a negative tweet I made about Dynamite, he said, come on, Hobbs. And I was like, how long have you been following me? But anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, again, he is that much of a message board nerd. Yeah, but um, I was doing like some online dating thing, getting to know someone that's from America. I'm Canadian. And she was like, um, this was like a year or two ago. We were really hitting it off. And I mentioned finally, embarrassingly, uh, yeah, I like pro wrestling. And she was like, oh, yeah, I like pro wrestling too. And um, my favorite pro wrestler hit on me a couple of years ago when I was on a cruise. And I was like, oh, who is that? And she went, Will Hobbs. Oh, <laughs> <I> my thought... <laughs> Jesus. And I, I mean, it was like, I cannot compete with this. Like, in my, I did not say that out loud, but I was like, why are you even talking? Yeah, to yeah like, what, like, like how, how are we having how are we having a conversation? <laughs> and where did the story between you and Will Hobbs go? Like, what is like? How did, yeah, exactly. How did, like, how did, I don't how think she said. Happen, how did that happen? That you landed to me at this point? Like, yeah, I was like, like I, I was immediately like, like I cannot offer anything he can offer on any level, like <laughs> anything at all. And uh, I just thought in my head, like I immediately that was inclined that like it was not even just like oh you know like the typical masculine bullshit. It was just like. I just immediately psyched myself out. Like I was like, like I, I I can't think of a single thing that would be as exciting that I can do for you as just being hit on by Will Hobbs. So, so and it was just a weird thing because people make jokes about like the username and that. And so I was just like, this is a really surreal moment in my life where it is Hobbsception coming to me here. But finally, yeah, that happened. And the crossover that was your chance, Eskimo <laughs> Brothers with the Hobbs. Uh, 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 I'm at, <laughs> just, I can't fathom this. <laughs> yeah. You don't think they run in the same circles, but they do, you know? Um <laughs> that, that was the like also like a name I did not expect. Like I thought it's gonna be, I don't know, like Dolph Ziggler or something. Like I was like, who, yeah. who would Yeah, like like Dolph like especially Dolph Ziggler. Saying, <laughs> especially saying your favorite wrestler. Like I, <laughs> I like Powerhouse Hobbs, but favorite wrestler? Okay. Especially, especially at that point in time, it was like, wait, what? Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, like at, at this point, I don't know the exact talent, but I'm wondering if she, if he became her favorite wrestler after that, because I mean, you'd <laughs> yes. probably like a guy a lot more if they hit on you. Like, hey, sure. this guy's good taste. Huh. Well, I mean, I guess okay. So you're on the west coast of Canada. Hobbs is from Northern California. I always do this where I think that Northern California and Canada are close together. They're really not. But I was going to say there's some crossover there, but there is definitely not. Um, well, a well a well traveled woman apparently. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, this girl uh, was apparently a, a frequent traveler, but who knows? Who maybe she's maybe she was once she was doing like maybe once she knew I was a wrestling fan she was trying to catfish me, but she was like, you know, we'll impress this guy if I drop a Will yeah. Hobbs reference, but <laughs> it had the, it had the reverse effect. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's a. Uh... Oh, okay, Quentin. What did you think about the match? <laughs> uh, I'm I'm actually the opposite of uh, of Trevor on this. I feel like the build made me feel like Rick Powerhouse Hobbs was gonna win because Ricky's sure. doing a lot of talking, and I kind of like Pop, Hobbs did cut promos, but Hobbs's silence I thought kind of spoke volumes there, and I didn't expect it to maybe be as dominant as it was, and I maybe expected them to get more time. But I was I was came in expecting a Hobbs win, and for this to be a story that continues on TV, and that's where you really get like a, a moment for Ricky because realistically, like 
you have you have Punk, you have Punk and Moxley, you have Danielson and Jericho that went twenty four minutes for some reason, and then you have the Elite versus Dark Order. Like, there's a lot going on on this show, and for as happy we are to see how Hobbs and Starks on the pay per view, one of their sto- their story isn't one of the biggest things or uh, most important things rather on the show. So I feel like that would have been weird to just because that's kind of the end of the story end of the story at that point. If Rookie wins, that's just kind of, oh, they broke up. Team Taz is over. Hobbs is an asshole. Ricky Starks cried and and he won. That's kind mm. of the end. That's kind of the end of it. Where I feel like now you're giving Ricky something to chase. And that's just a, I think that's better for them because they can get good TV slots uh coming coming out of it, whether that be on Rampage or on Dynamite. And I feel like they're gonna treat it, uh, treat it importantly. So I I still feel like this was the first step in a bigger story. Granted, I didn't see Dynamite, which people are saying is a reset, so I don't know if either Starks or Hobbs was on Dynamite at all to talk about the feud or continue it, or if they did Rampage stuff, I don't know. But I do, I do feel like this was this this was probably uh, I do feel like this was the first step in a larger story that's going to be about getting Ricky over as a huge baby face. Yeah. Sure, did you have something? Uh, no, uh, I mean, I, I am glad, like, I mean, I, lo- I really like Will Hobbs, too, d- despite it, despite our, our rich history. So, like, I yeah. am glad, I, I do feel like if, if Starks won this match, my one fear was, like, is it going to be one of those things where Hobbs, like, quickly gets shuffled down the card? So I do like hearing and seeing that, like, clearly they want Hobbs to get something out of this, too. Like, he's not just, like, the one-and-done setup man for, for a quick little feud for Starks. So... In a way, I am now that I'm over the shock. I am glad that he's getting something larger out of this too. Yeah. All right, everyone, shut the fuck up. It's time for my main event: uh, the AEW World Tag Team Titles, the Acclaimed versus Swerve in Our Glory. Um, I just want to make it clear that mm-hmm. how, how long how long have we been recording? We're going on two hours now. Close. We're getting there. All right. Just want to make that clear that we have. Uh, what six matches? Five matches left. Sure, sure, sure. Well, I guess sure. technically, I guess technically four. So I'm just making sure we're, we're yeah. clear here. Yes, but I mean, one of them is like, yeah, okay, four. Yeah. Anyways, fucking three, three of them. We don't. Well, actually, we already talked about Jericho and Danielson, so the, the we don't true, have to talk we, about like four. All right. Yeah. All right. Anyways, I'm not gonna go off. I was kidding. Um, but anyways, this was I predicted it. I said that this match would be the most overmatch, the hottest match. That it would be great. Everyone would go crazy, and I was right. Um, I don't think I predicted that it would be the best match of the night, but I did think I said it could have stolen the show, and I think it did. Um, I think it might be my match of the night. Um, it's hard to say that it's not. I thought this was great. I thought we got some flashes of Swerve when he was good at, at the end of MLW and when he was in Evolve for a few minutes. I think that there was some times in here where I really wanted him to turn up the killer instinct kind of stuff physically but i do think that it's nice because it plays into the dynamic between him and keith lee where i think swerve comes across like he's the one who has the personality of an asshole he's the one who's got the character of being a complete dick and then keith is the one who brings the physicality and the violence of being an asshole and is the one that's more physically imposing and nasty um i think i also predicted <laughs> when we came in here that max caster would show off all of the selling that he's been doing on wrestling open bumping and selling big for people um which he did opening up the match huge then they switched to the double heat and now bowens shows off just how good he is selling which i did not predict 
because Bowens has been on the shelf injured and he comes back and he sells the knee like a fucking god. The way that Bowens was hobbling around, the way that he made it seem legit, the way that he never once forgot about his knee was fucking perfect. Um, the hope spots were great. Max Caster coming in big, teasing the fucking the fireman's carry on Keith, the way that they told that story throughout. Again, like I said, Swerve coming in. Even when Swerve got the half crab with the stomps, I feel like he fidgeted around too much. And by the time he was getting to the, the hammer fists to the back of the head, I think it was, or maybe it was stomps. Um, it just didn't, again, it, it missed something where I think that he could have just been a little bit more physically violent. But at the same time, as I was like hoping for it in the moment, I do look back on it and think like, no, I do like the dynamic here. I like that Swerve is the the one who talks the shit swerve is the one who's the asshole swerve is the one who will cheat but keith is the one who really brings the violence and keith is the one that really fucking you know is physically dominating um so yeah loved it loved it loved it audible 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 people talking about the audible i think it's weird to even bring it up i don't think i would say like oh they should have switched it in the moment that's um, re that's really dumb in shorts and like in in the moment yeah thinking like i like, that's why not build the claim more because <laughs> like like realistic like this is the only match they've had like this they've had literally nothing even in this realm close nothing on tv anything and it's again like we like the acclaim we like the acclaim like they're good they've done good they've done good things you're super high on them but even you would say they've done nothing like that of note on Dynamite or Rampage to even say, so like, based off of one match, we sh no, that doesn't even make a lot of sense. And I think that like takes a whenever they do this, way, they, they do this a lot with AEW shows. It's like, why do you guys just want to like skip like the build to something? Like, I, 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 found, I found that really weird. That's what pro wrestling is, right? We build yeah. to these moments theoretically. So, when it happens, they feel important and they feel special. If the Acclaim had just done it based off the fact that we like Max Caster's raps and these angles, and they had one good match, and like, oh, man, fuck, we got to put the belt on these guys. It's a little weird when you could keep building this up, and hopefully they have even more good matches on Dynamite. You put them in there with, really, with, uh, with more good tag teams. You put them in there with, say, like an FTR and shine them up a lot. Put them in there with the Bucks when the Bucks come back and do stuff like that with them. And when eventually they get another shot at Swerve in our glory, then they could have that moment. But the audible thing was so weird. And I think speaks to a type of fan that like, like almost like the kind of people that watch like that go like that watch Marvel movies, but then like are, dis like, are disappointed when they watch the movie because they, all they're looking forward to is like, who's, who's going to be, the, who's, who, yeah, who's going to be the cameo. Who's going to be in the post credits. Like you just yeah. want to skip straight to like, okay, so what's next? And it's like, you're not even like watching the movie that's in front of you. And I kind of feel like there's a genre or segment of AEW fan that's like that. Yeah, no, that's 100% true. And I'm with you. And, and coming into this, I said it was a toss up. I thought either team could win because I could see it. But now I'm like firmly in the like, I don't even think the acclaim should win the titles at Arthur Ashe. Um, Evan in the, you know, in the chat said like, oh, you know, Swerving Our Glory is DOA. And I don't think so. I think at the press conference, they showed some character stuff that I think is really good. I thought the character thing coming out of this, I want them keeping the titles even longer now. And I want, like you said, I want the acclaim not only to lose at Arthur Ashe, but I want them to build back up and give me more matches of this 
caliber against other teams before we get them back here and they win the titles. Um, Trevor, feel free to give your thoughts on everything and the match. Yeah, um, this was like the high point of the show, I think. I mean, it, from just like a strictly bell to bell, I mean, it's one of the best matches on the show, but I think you just add in like, I was one of those people like I got caught up and thinking, oh man, they should change things. They should have these guys win. And I feel like it's because you get into that chasing of a high where um, like one of the most fun things I think in pro wrestling is that feeling like when you're watching a match and you're cognizant in the moment, like not in hindsight, like, oh, the, these people's careers are in a special moment right now. Like they're, they're, they're rising to a new level. This is going to change things for them. And I think if you like listen to the crowd reaction in that match, the first part of the match, the crowd is really into things, but they're into things the way they're often into the acclaimed, which is like, we're going to chant for Billy Gunn. We're going to chant scissor stuff. We're going to, you know, we're just having a lot of fun chanting. And then halfway through the match, something just clicked from the way that they were working the match, the quality of the match where the fans were like, oh no, like this is really a great match. And we like legit want to see them win the match. We're not just cheering for them because of the fun raps. I feel like this, like, and I think that was their big moment and that turned a corner for them. And you kind of get, I, I feel like as a fan watching, you then kind of get addicted to that feeling of, boy, the pop sure would be cool if you heard it on this night. But yeah, that, that can sometimes be short-sighted. And I almost feel like you have to, go, you could go in one of the two polls. Like you could either have gone, have them win, that night and just chase the immediate like we've created a special moment people didn't expect or like you're kind of talking about now almost then tease it for way down the road like make push them all the way down and go like you know this is going to happen sooner or later but now it's going to be like a long road to get there you know have them like lose and get cheated to lose a second time and have them have to like be like you know you're not going to get to face us again for a long time you're going to have to build all the way up the rankings but yeah, the audible thing, the one thing I will say about the audible thing that was funny was, again, one of the best moments of the presser that people won't remember because of the punk stuff was some report asks Connor, like, should you guys have called an audible? And Tony gives some answer like, uh, you know, I don't want to answer that. I mean, you know, maybe I'll get on the solo thing. I'll talk about that. Like, but don't ask that right now. And so the the same report's like, okay, I'll ask a different question. And then he says to Swerve in our glory, do you think they should have called an audible? It's like, <laughs> you're asking the guys in the fucking match yeah, if they should have lost. Like, like the one, the was... one, the, the one thing I'll say about the reporters from this, from this prep, from this, like scrum uh, or whatever this time uh, or, this, or the press, whatever, the, whatever the term they use. Yeah. But yeah. the one thing I'll say is that after like, like show after show of abuse and saying, you guys ask dumb dopey questions that they like finally actually asked some questions and you know, <laughs> they yeah. Just, yeah, they just chose to do like, like I'm all, I'm all for grilling Tony uh, at the podium, but that one is <laughs> your ass. That was weird. Like he's like he's next to the wrestlers. Like what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, like, like do, do, do you ex even and again asking the wrestlers like do you expect them to say yeah we should have lost tonight like yeah yeah Tony well, should have lost faith in us and said that you guys can't continue to carry this division. He they, that's right. Yeah yeah like it's one of those questions where you ask it and you know what the answer is going to be like it, it, for and I, I often think that questions like people use that criticism for a lot of questions and it's not valid i think that's the question where that criticism is valid like you know yeah. what the answer is going to be what, yeah. what's the point 
Yeah, I want to get uh, I want to get the press credentials for the scrum so I can be like in the thing and and Punk is going off on his tirade and all this and I'll be like Punk real quick uh, Timothy from the Booger Time Central uh, did you have any boogers during the match? <laughs> <laughs> this is the beat that we cover because I heard someone try to say that like oh if you're this kind of news organization you cover this that's the only thing that you need to question it's like what? okay what? we'll do that at another time. Like you can just ask those questions separately. <laughs> They're not really time sensitive. They're not like you need to know right after the show whatever stupid media beat you cover. You could do that. Like just send an email, and they'll yeah, get to you yeah, like yeah, later the, in the, the week. Yeah, the the the, the, wrestle, the wrestling title change beat is they yeah. really they really needed that apparently. Like, what what, what <laughs> exactly. the fuck? Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, anyway, um. Ready to move on. Four-way women's interim match. I will say, I thought this match was great. I still will stick with my original thing that I said last week, which is that Jamie should have won the title here. I like Tony winning. I feel like Tony feels like she can actually be pushed as a focal point of the division. I tweeted out the question. I will ask it here now. Quentin, I guess you didn't see Dynamite, which is going to be odd because I was going to talk a bit about Dynamite later, but, you know, whatever. We'll skip it. Do um, whatever. Right now... On Dynamite, with the way everything was presented, is Tony Storm the top champion in the company when it comes to like prestige and work rate and star power, everything combined based on what you know what champions are still available on the episode of Dynamite? Um, that's kind of my opinions, but feel free to talk about the match, everything else, and maybe respond to that question. I mean, I would um, say War- I would say Wardlow is would probably be above in terms of prestige of the belt. The TNT the TNT title does have a pretty good lineage and history, and is like pretty revered and has a great track record. So, based off of that and how over Wardlow still is, uh, I'd probably say Wardlow, but I can see why you would say Tony Storm. Though I don't, I don't, I don't think that's like super out of the question here. And like we have our opinions on Tony as a wrestler, but we can agree that she's. That she's mostly a, better than a lot of the <laughs> roster, even if we don't think Tony's all that great a lot of the time either. And the thing about Tony, just like we can say about like uh, like Britt, is that she carries herself really well. Tony mastered her look and aesthetic really well, uh, and gave herself a distinct look and act before she was even in WWE. And she carries herself like that. She knows how to present herself. And I think she's improving on the microphone. She's never been a super strong talker, but I feel like as the months and weeks go by, I feel like she's getting more more comfortable. And I feel like she'll be someone that if you give her the ball, give her the chance, that she'll prove herself and figure things out as, as she goes and be a good representative for the division as they continue to try to build things and not have a champion that breaks people's faces uh, with drop kicks to the back of the head. So if... I, I for as much for as much as I think Tony is inconsistent in the ring, I feel like she's the best face for the women's division, and I trust her in the ring more than I trust Britt. Uh, I we had friends at All Out. Uh, none of them have said hello to Jamie Hayter for me. I'm very <laughs> upset about that. Uh, I'm gonna try my best to make that happen. But Jay, I, I was actually with you on the Jamie Hayter thing, and feel like now with the story that they're mo- moving forward to with uh with her with her and Britt that that, that it seems like we're uh, headed towards that 
I Tony and Jamie, I think that should be like the title program going forward. I think that's a pretty clear direction. Yeah, yeah and people are right now. People keep questioning the Jade, who's going to beat Jade. I would honestly say you could have Hater beat Jade and then switch the TBS title to being Britain and, and Jamie feuding over that. But uh, easily could, yeah. Yeah, Trevor. Uh, I feel. I guess feel free to respond to my question about the championship situation and uh, and how you felt about this match and the finish and everything. No, no. I I said actually online the same thing. Like I thought watching this match because the crowd clearly was just like they want the acclaim to win, wanted Jamie Hater to win. I felt like like I came away from thinking I want to see a big Jamie Hater. Like I was I was thinking for you know quite a while like who should beat Jay because eventually she'll have to lose. And then I came away from this match going well, Jamie Hater should go like. Put it on another big power woman that the crowd really like, and then you can put you know you can put Jade in the main you, you, women mix with you know with people like Britt that aren't in the TNT mix. And but no, I thought this was a good match, and um, I, I feel like Tony Storm. I agree a lot with Quentin, like his views on Tony Storm. He mentioned I feel like Tony Storm almost gained something to me after the match and the whole punk situation, because not to turn every match into a comment about the presser or something, but I felt like with so much drama, sometimes it gets a bit depressing. And she was like the one breath of fresh air where she was just so happy, you know, in the presser and just seemed to be someone that is just, you know, it's the same thing. Like I, I said recently about Moxie on dynamite where it's, you know, it's infectious to see people having fun. And so people that actually seem like, you know, they're in top spots, they're having a really good time, they're excited about all the people they get to work with. Like people actually like them. <laughs> exactly. Like now more than ever. Like I, I feel like those those points give you like an extra boost in my mind. Like because <laughs> I'm just going to appreciate that more right now. That like oh, I don't have to worry about like a million other things. I can just take for granted that you're having a good time right now. And and you know yeah, it's a good match. And I feel like in that sense, she's become kind of retroactively like the right person to win this match. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, coming out of it, it feels good. And that's a big part of it. Yeah, that like the booking felt good. I thought that this was this match was put together well as a four way as well. I think that that's something people love to talk about how much they hate multi-person matches. And I get it when it's like odd numbers, like trios or anything where it's like, you know, th there's not an even number of people. But this one being a four way, I think that's something that people forget. Like people just like, you know, <laughs> again, let me just like fucking take some digs. Like, I think like a Todd Martin kind of guy will like say like, oh, I just hate multi-person matches. I just hate them, hate them, hate them. And they like completely overlook that like a four-way match is not really like a, a multi-person match in the same way that a trios matches mm -hmm. or not a trios, but like a three-way matches um, because it's still an even number of competitors. And that's like what it really comes down to in a match that makes it make sense is that like you can square off between people there can it can, there can be multiple one-on-ones within a, a scenario um so that like makes it smoother either way that's not really the point of what we're talking about here but just me taking a quick you know shot at someone like i gotta sideswipe everybody basically <laughs> and i promise trevor i don't we don't do this about you um when you're not uh, on here, or at least i don't um i never i've never said an <laughs> ill word about you in my life i, I Wait, promise <laughs> yeah, I really haven't. That was a joke, you know, because the whole thing that people like to say, it's like if someone talks shit to you about someone else, that means that they must talk shit yeah. about you behind your back, you know. But uh, of course, I'm doing it on a podcast. so I don't do it behind anyone's back. Um, <laughs> either way, um, match was good. 
I agree with everything you guys are saying there. I think that, uh, yeah, Tony's a great face for the division. And like, I I mean, fuck, I I started this off. I said, I think she's the top champion in the company. So why am I acting like you guys are the ones that I'm agreeing (laughs) with? Either way, moving on. uh, Christian Cage, uh, Jumpin' Jungle Jack Perry. um, Whatever. I thought it was great. I loved it as an angle. I thought it was really good for what it was supposed to be. I think anybody who's too caught up in the Luchasaurus back and forth is just like an idiot and should just let it go. Um, I, I, I they feel like told that, the story like, really well. I feel like go that ahead. like this was pretty clear based off of when he went crazy beating up beating up the beating up the security and the staff backstage. Like that that was good, that that was going to be a thing. Like as soon yeah. as that as soon as that happened and like I was like oh yeah like this this is like this is this is going is going to go a completely different direction. Uh. So I felt like that was pretty clear from a few weeks out, but I feel like I thought they still executed it really well. Yeah, it was perfect, and it was just what we needed. Trevor, go. Yeah, I, I thought I thought it was like a fun angle, knowing that Christian was really hurt. That um, it is probably the best way you could do get you know not get deliver a full match. And I thought it was crazy how lined up Jungle Boy's back was from that one bump. Like he must have hit that thing hard because he looked like. Like he had grill marks on his back, and uh, yeah, and now you know it works. Out. I I have no idea. I mean, I think I heard someone say that Christian might have like a similar injury to Punk, which means he will be out for a long time. So I don't know. If, you know, I was gonna say if he was only if Christian was only gonna be out for like a couple months, you know, a Luchasaurus Jack Perry feud could easily fill that time until then. But I assume it will fill some of that time now. But no, I, I I thought this was a, a fun angle and uh yeah, and Luchasaurus gets to keep his angry Kane-ish theme and it's more appropriate now. For so, so like is like is he actually Jack Perry now? Because that would depend that would uh, make a difference in the joke. Because if he's actually because if he's just like Jack Perry for when he's mad, he's like the opposite of Finn Balor's demon because <laughs> Then he, when he's Jack Perry, he just loses. And he just gets his ass, and he, he just gets his ass kicked. So I would I would love it if he's just Jack Perry whenever he's mad because that means that he just gets his fucking ass kicked. <laughs> there was a comic book I read when I was a kid, and that this what you just said remind me of that. There was one issue I forget. I saw I bought some like random issue of the Incredible Hulk as a kid, and there was one issue where something went wrong with the Hulk, where it reversed everything. Where when he became angry, he had the body of Bruce Banner, but he was really mad and had like the brain of the Hulk, <laughs> and like it, it just didn't sound he, good. He, he for just him. A guy, he's just a guy starting fights at the bar. Like, yeah, and yeah. I love I, I, that when you just said that, I thought that basically like that's could be Jack Perry's new Garrick. Where like you don't like it when I become Jack Perry because then I become a mortal man that's very angry and gets his ass yeah. kicked. Like just <laughs> that would be. Great. I am not good from ratings when I become Jack Perry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's perfect. Um, I think there's something to the commentary. I think it was Taz who talked about it that like uh, the the grate that he hit was a pyro grate. So mm. the reason why it fucked up his back is because it's like extremely hot. Jeez. Yeah, which means that he was it wasn't like he it wasn't just like he had grill marks on his back. His back literally got grilled. As someone that yeah, has been like nice. severely like I I suffered like a severe burn to my arm as a little kid. I put my arm on a. Uh, on a wood stove just going like hey guys i'm gonna just saddle up here but um i can't imagine like 
I can watch a like a death match and be fine to see guys rolling around on broken glass stuff. I was like, eh, it's probably like getting a bunch of needles. But I can't imagine taking any bump like when you've severely burnt yourself because just the sensitivity of your skin after yeah. you've like even put your hand on a stove great accidentally or something like just my god like that that makes me squeamish yeah which is unfortunate because i think that people aren't going to give jungle jack jumping jungle jack perry the uh the credit he deserves for gutting through that because it was yeah. nasty and gnarly looking um but you know he's been through a ton of shit that's the thing that's it's so fucked up because people people still talk about the sammy Guevara uh, dive off of the blood and guts but they use it like as a like a example of the reason why big bumps don't matter, you know, which is funny because it's like, well, you keep bringing it up. You keep going like, oh, you know, but Sammy took that big dive off the top of the cage and no one remembers that. And, 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 you, like, and, you, yeah, remember, and you remember the exact show and exact match yeah. that it happened on. Yeah. You keep saying it and you're like, it was not, a, well, yeah, obviously Sam, this bump that I keep bringing up is not a big deal. And no, yeah, one when, Dar when, when, Dar when Darby did that thing in 2019, when he, like you, you remember a lot about this thing that you don't care about. <laughs> yeah, this thing that you keep saying, like, it's not like the old days when you could take a bump like that and it would be a big deal. Not, you know, nowadays people, you know, no one would, no one even remembers uh, when Darby, yeah, when he got hit with a shovel while he was inside a body bag and was bleeding out. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. But um, I feel like Jack Perry, Jungle Boy, actually is the real version of that because this motherfucker does crazy ass bumps and all this shit and people legitimately never bring them up. And never talk about them again. So much so that I can't even remember the examples, but I know that he's done them. Um, do you think it's way, just the gimmick? Like, why do you think that is? Like, that, I think that's part of it. I think people don't take them seriously. And I think, honestly, it's because of the gimmick, which is sad because yeah. I've argued the whole time that, like, he doesn't have to stop being Jungle Boy, but he probably yeah. does. Mm, yeah. 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 Because yeah, I, I agree. I never thought of it that way. But yeah, like, he just does not get that same level of respect for the you know the physical work he does yeah um jericho danielson like i said we already talked about this yeah. enough we talked to death earlier the trios match with house of black versus house of glory i mean um, darby allen and miro and sting um it's fine i guess it's probably the worst sting match that's happened in aew malachi black maybe leaving feels like the most important thing coming out of it and um julia man fucking months of julia intrigue and all this stuff and everyone being super excited and all this and like now she's just here and feels like nothing and then my final talking point coming out of this match is how is buddy matthews like brock lesnar read the entire fucking match this guy is just like jesus christ he's turning purple red he needs to get off dude. the fucking gear man that's scary yeah i i <laughs> My my only thought is my only thought is I hope Malachi Black is doing okay. That's my only thought. Yeah, exactly. I hope he, I hope he's all right. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of a weird because it's, it's weird if this is like truly the end of Malachi in AEW because like just fucking wow, like we're coming up on a year and we're like you know a year removed pretty much from uh from the from the Cody stuff that was going on. And it's just like. Yeah, I don't know what happened. If this was just like a creative dropping the ball, because I feel like a lot of I feel like Malachi Black probably had a lot of creative control. So I don't really know what exactly went wrong there. So whenever things are right with him and he feels like talking about it, I would love to know because I don't think it's a thing where the dude didn't have creative influence because he very clearly did. So maybe he maybe there was some other stuff going on backstage that frustrated him. Maybe this was purely like some mental stuff but i 
the, the dude had a, had clearly had a say in his, in his stories, so I don't really know what happened. Yeah, yeah, I um, I, the match was good, but I mean, for, for what it was, I, I I do in a way appreciate and enjoy that we live in a world where we have seen enough cool old man sting matches that we can kind of like take it for granted now. Like, ah, like this is something we would have freaked out about a couple of years ago, but now we've seen enough of them. That's kind of like it, it's nice in some ways to be spoiled like that. Um. But yeah, the black thing, it's almost like with Malachi Black, it's almost like you don't know what to hope for because he did post not that long about, about how like screwed up he had been with injuries. So in a way, you kind of, a part of me initially was thinking, well, I hope it's just injuries that are making him want to step aside from wrestling for a while. But then it's like I was thinking, well, that means I hope he's like really physically fucked up. So I'm like, well, I guess I should hope that he is mentally just burned out on wrestling or unhappy with creative. But I guess there's not a good option, but like... Yeah, I hope a guy that talented, you know, finds something in life, you know, or in wrestling that finds him an outlet that satisfies him. I know he had to cancel for people are speculating why some indie booking he had. So who knows what and people are rumors that like he that his release might be like very restrictive. So I have no idea what his future is. Well, we'll see because he's supposed to be wrestling out here uh, next Saturday, and I think we have I have tickets to the show, so we'll see if he shows up. He's wrestling a um, friend of the podcast and favorite of the podcast, Kid Bandit. Um, so uh, I would I would I would I would cancel that match. Uh, sure, just 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 because you're like, oh, oh man, I'm really just I'm so down mentally, man. I just I just can't bear to wrestle Kid Bandit. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I can't blame him, you know, because Kid Bandit regularly uses the Death Note in their matches, so that's dangerous enough. I would oh, yes, yes, messing with dangerous arts at that point. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to have them put a curse on you in the match. Um, Has Kid Bandit versus Danhausen happened yet? <laughs> oh God, probably. I don't. I gotta hold on. I gotta. I gotta figure I've this seen out. enough. Listen, I've seen enough Kid Bandit matches live though to say like. I don't know. Maybe this is just me. I don't fucking hate Kid Bandit as much as most people. I don't know. I don't. Whatever. I just but, I just act like Kid Bandit doesn't exist, and I feel like my fair, my, fair, my fair. like I feel like my days are just better because of that. <laughs> uh, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, Trevor, where do you come down on Kid Bandit? I got everyone. The the fans need to <laughs> don't know. Don't you do? Don't you no. do this? To me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. I, I feel like nowadays I only hear about Kid Bandit for things not related to rest. Well, related yeah. to wrestling, but not related to the in the ring. Like in it's ring, only yeah, like, yeah. But um, I hope they anyway, have a, a happy time. Kid Bandit, Kid Bandit has not wrestled Dan Housen okay. yet, so that means that that's a fair make good, right? If if Malachi Black can't make the show on Saturday, oh yeah, Dan, 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 Dan Housen, Malachi Black, same shit. It's a fucking trade off, right? I mean, yeah, I don't know. Did paint. Mal? Did, okay. Do you think Danhausen got suspended for letting Punk wear his boots in the match? Is that part of? The, <laughs> is that close enough? Because I mean, okay, it, it depends. Because if he like kicks someone, like if he like stomps yes, out one exactly. of the young bucks with a boot with the with Danhausen boots on, then like he's technically an accomplice in assault. Yeah, that's <laughs> the true. Mo uh, the most interesting part of the Punk presser was not when he even told the Danhausen I took his boots story, but I think at the end he said the line, I owe him more money now, more which suggests money. that yeah. he already well, yeah, what's owes what's, what's, Yeah, what suggests that he already pays Danhausen oh. under the table, apparently? <laughs> he's uh, already okay, in did you guys not, debt. Did you guys not see any of the stuff from Comic-Con? 
No. Oh God! Did, did like okay, Danhausen make a comic run for him or something? No, no, I didn't follow anything that was going on. But Punk and Danhausen are like whatever. But like throughout the Comic Con, I, this I I did not follow this. I don't know the connection. But during the Comic Con, Danhausen was like making Punk buy him stuff. <laughs> what? And is again, going on? I think it plays into this idea that like that Punk owes Danhausen money for some reason. What? The so fuck? he was like. Going through the Comic Con and being like, I want this thing, and make and being like, Punk has to buy it for him or whatever. It was I don't know what the fuck. Okay, hold on. Honestly, this is the most what? intriguing CM Punk story of the week. Like, what? Yes, the fuck? I. Why does he owe Danhausen money? <laughs> what could I don't have know. possibly? I don't what know. Have, what could have possibly <laughs> happened as to where he is in debt to Danhausen? Okay, if Danhausen like a fucking. S- if Danhausen like a fucking loan shark, like yeah. <laughs> I am going to stop myself because I was like really on the fringe of saying something very inappropriate right now. Um, So let's get into the main event here. The match that no one is going to talk about ever. But you know what sucks? Is this this is like, like, I know that some people were like, a lot of our friends were on the friendly, like Moxley should win thing. And they were just, they were disappointed because of that. Like, yeah, I did not give a call. Yes. I did not give a fuck who won this match. I could not have cared less who was going to win this match. Now knowing what we know, probably should have been a different yeah. outcome. But yes, you know, going into it, I'm like I don't care with this match. Like, so watching it, I'm like, yeah, this is like I loved it. I thought this was, I thought yeah. this was, I thought this was great. Um, I think this is my favorite match of the night. Honestly, like I yeah. loved it. I thought this was executed so 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 well. Again, and not even like a big epic match either. This goes this goes like twenty minutes. And they just understand press, pro wrestling so well, and why it's such a fucking shame if this is just the end of CM Punk's run in wrestling, because it's just like, god damn, dude! Like the guy really was great the whole year that we got him. Like yeah. he really was awesome the year of CM Punk that we got. And there's a prime example as to why, because there's only so many people that would be able to do that and have a satisfying main event. Uh, and not feel the need to overindulge or do whatever and tell such a good story and hit all the story note beats, you know, with the near fall with the paradigm shift because that, like, that, like, it's, it's that it works because of what happened the pre, the, pre, the following week, I mean, the previous week. So, like, you already kind of have this idea in your head, like, oh, this could end in five minutes because they are, they just did it. It gives you that, it gives you that seed of doubt that. Yeah, I would like this to be a really awesome, great, longer main event, but it could just not be because CM Punk just lost to this dude in three minutes. And I thought they played with that really well. The intensity between the guys, the blood per John Moxley match, you know, as uh, some dorks might complain about. But I loved oh, it. I, no. I thought I thought this was really, really great pro wrestling. And you can say that probably John Moxley should have won. But uh, I really thought the match was excellent, and it's a shame that, again, this great match just does not matter. The blood thing is so fucking goddamn. It makes Quentin. <laughs> why'd you do this to me, man? It makes me so fucking mad. Oh, no. Do people have anywhere near the same level of complaint about any other combat sport that when there's blood too often? Like, shut the fuck up. Like, stop. Watch something else. Go watch like fucking. I don't know. Just theater or drama or again my go-to is just go stick to tiktok if you can't stand this like get 
fuck off. Like, God damn it. Anyways, um, I thought I mentioned it last week, but like the the the, the GTS when when Punk hits the GTS early on and Mox kicks out, like I thought it really played into and really solidified the like Chicago loves to root for losers because Punk hit his big move and Moxley kicks out and then the crowd just at that point they were like maybe like 60 40 maybe you know whatever split but then after Moxley kicks out of the GTS the crowd is like nah nah that's our guy the guy whose fucking last shot didn't do jack shit and he's fucking he's wearing white pants and he's gonna start leaking blood all over himself (laughs) like the world's biggest dork he's that's our boy we have to root for that loser the fucking the killing machine (laughs) that's unstoppable no we don't want him to win like it's the per it was the perfect example of why Chicago is Chicago, man. They love to root for the guy who's just like the biggest fucking loser ass, has no shot. That's the guy they want. And it was perfect. I loved it. Trevor, feel free. Yeah, this was one of my uh I don't know if I could pick up here, but yeah, I think one of the three great matches of the main pay-per-view. Obviously, this the acclaimed tag and the the trios match. And uh yeah, I mean, I, the one thing I really hate about this whole Punk situation is I've already started to see people retroactively try and act like Punk's year in AEW is not good. And, and oh, like, why, end what, for- what, like, why do we have to lie? Like, we can yeah. say that, like, the more details come out, the more it becomes clear that it seems like this is a Punk-initiated thing all the way through. So, like, that's fine in... I'm fine criticizing Punk for all of that. Yeah, like, we don't have to lie. We don't, gotta, like, we don't have to do that. Yeah, like people just can't hold in their heads the idea of guy is a jerk and also guy is really good at their job. Like, like it, it. And I really do feel like if this is the end, it's gonna there's gonna be a huge segment of people that are just like, yeah, that year in AEW was a bomb. It was fucking great from beginning to if this is the end to end. Like, it's, it's somehow gonna hurt him. Like this, we're coming up on Observer Award season. Like. I mean, I'm the Hall of Fame season, rather. Like, this is going to be a thing for as long as CM Punk is on the ballot that, like, if this is it and he's not coming back and there's nothing reconciled, like, this is going to hurt him. Yeah, it, uh, it, it shouldn't. Like, 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 I just got the ballot last year and I was on record. I was like, last year, I was like, right on the fence. And I was like, I'm going to wait one more year. And if he basically adds anything more, I'm going to be like a punk voter for life. And to me, I'm seeing people now being like, like I saw someone like tweet to Melter, like, you know, does this hurt punk's chances? And punk and Melter was like, you're going to have to ask a bunch of the voters. And, and, I, and I just worry now that I'm like, this was the year I feel like where he like proved like he, he, yes. if, if you were on the hump, like on, on the border, I think this is the year he crossed the line, you know? Like, I think he's undeniable now. He's just done so much. He does, he put more stuff in, like, the business metric pod, if you want that. And um, I, I, it's just, yeah, it's infuriating. And, yeah, I thought the match was great. I, I love the early go-to-sleep kickout, not because it proved Chicago loves losers, although that's a, that was a great thing. But um, I just love it because that is such a punk move. Because I remember, like, the Joe Punk trilogy and Ring of Honor. I think punk one of Punk's big ideas was the idea of, like, Okay, we did these 60 minute draws and the third match ended up going a half an hour but i think it, punk has said that like he wanted it to be like even shorter like 15 20 minutes and i think that is such a classic punk move of wherever the crowd expects he wants to do like 
the precise opposite. Like, I feel like a lot of wrestlers are like, well, if we did a 60 minute match next time, we have to do 62. Or if like, you know, if I kicked out of a big, lost to a big move in five minutes, I have to kick out of a big move in five minutes. And punks, I think punks, one of punks little tricks is like the idea of like, no, I'm going to do the thing. Like we're going to go way in the reverse direction to really subvert like expectations. And I really thought that was like seeing that I was like, wow, that's like very much, uh, you know, and for all I know, someone's going to then say that was John Moxie's idea now. But like, I felt like that was like CM Punk, like at his best, that kind of match like layout. And yeah, I, I thought and it's, you know, it's also admirable. Like, again, it would have been such a triumphant night for him to have a match of that quality tearing the fuck out of his arm early in the match. You saw him, like, after every spot afterwards for a while, like, clutching his arm, like, probably realizing how fucked he was. And yet the match went off without a hitch. It was it was great. Yeah, yes. But what didn't go off with the, without a hitch was the press event afterwards. Oh, we've already mentioned it a ton, <laughs> yeah. but... Yeah. Okay, so this is my my big thing. I mean, there's obviously a ton of stuff to talk about, whatever. But me and me and Trevor mentioned this a bit before Quentin even jumped on the call before we started recording, right? So we get into the presser, and Punk does, you know, does the deal. Um, he did the deal, and people did kick out, I guess, later. Um, but uh, it's crazy to me to think that he planned what he was going to do, and like throughout this entire fucking awesome match, even a match where he gets injured in the middle. The whole time he was just thinking, like, I can't wait to get to this presser event and talk about Colt Cabana. Like, Quentin, where do you fall on that? Do you think that that Punk was planning it? No. Someone asked okay. him a Colt Cabana. Someone asked him a Colt Cabana question. No, no one asked him anything. They they, no, I could have I swear there was a Cabana question. No, it, it, it no, started no. with him going to Nick Hausman saying like, "You're a friend of Colt Cabana's, don't you?" And then Nick Hausman says something effect of like, "I was, but we don't see eye to eye anymore." And Punk literally says, "Oh, you blew my spot." And then he yeah. went into the Colt. Okay, so, I thought someone did asked, it. I, I thought someone no. asked him a Colt question. And Nick Hausman was on the torch, the live cast this week, and he explained everything. So I don't know, Trevor, if you heard any of this. No, I did not background hear that. Really quick. Okay, so I'll give the background on Nick Hausman and Punk. Okay, so I heard some other people talk about it. They said, oh, Nick Hausman did the court reporting for Punk versus Cabana stuff. So he showed up in court while they were going through things. That is true. But what really happens, or the real background of this is, Nick Hausman was a comedian person Nick Houseman basically um, got in contact. Okay, Colt Cabana was trying to get in contact with people to do uh, like improv classes and get into comedy after he got released, or it was like the, the tryout that didn't work in WWE. Um, so he got connected to them through someone, I can't remember who. And that's how Nick Houseman and Colt Cabana met through improv comedy. So they did improv together. And they were doing shows and stuff for a long time. Nick Houseman explained that years after that, okay, so to the point where they were close friends or, you know, worked together, whatever, he he actually said, I've been to CM Punk's house. CM Punk would come to comedy shows with me and Colt Cabana performing. We were friends. We were all very friendly. I even went to Punk's house after a show in the past. We knew everything. He said, me and Colt Cabana had a falling out not like nine years ago or something. Like, incredibly long time ago since Colt Cabana and him had a falling out where they're not friends anymore. And Punk had no idea because he only knew, knew Nick Houseman through Colt Cabana and them being friends. 
So where he said, like, oh, I saw him in the press junket. I know him from being friends with Colt Cabana. Nick Houseman was actually the first person to ever ask about Colt getting demoted to ROH and if it was connected to Punk in a press junket before. So Punk thought, okay, that's Colt's buddy. Like, he's, you know, friends with Colt. I know him through Colt. I'm going to fucking use him as a way to say, hey, if you're friends with him and you're asking questions about him, you should disclose that shit to be like a professional journalist Mm. or whatever. But he did not disclose the conflict, which is bullshit. Like, you don't have to admit who you're friends with <laughs> to say, like, I have might have a conflict of interest. That's not like journalistic. That's like going over the top when it comes to that. Like, for, you know, a conflict of interest would be like if you're directly reporting about your brother, you know, like if you were um, one of the Cuomos, if you were like the mayor of New York and your brother was on national television and he was interviewing you during an, uh, a global pandemic, maybe you would be like, you know what? This is a conflict of interest. I'm not going to do this. But actually, you wouldn't, and you would just still interview your brother on national TV like nothing. So the idea that, like, oh, you need to admit that you're friends with Colt Cabana before you ask questions about wrestling or else you're not a journalist, Punk is, like, insane. Punk is, like, has a fucking crazy brain. <laughs> but he's like, if you are if you did improv comedy with Colt Cabana in the past. You have to admit that before you ask questions. So that was the whole thing. So Nick Houseman was close with Punk and Colt, friendly enough to where they actually hung out in each other's house, and he had a falling out with Colt, and that was why Punk was like, you're friends with Colt Cabana, and Colt Cabana's a piece of shit, and that was the whole thing that like set it off. Okay. I definitely thought that someone asked him a Colt question, but now that I know that, I don't think it was planned. I think he just saw the guy and he hates Colt Cabana so much that he just, he had like, he just, he like, he just sent him, it just sent him into a spiral. But I do not think that it was planned. Um, I could see your argument for thinking it is and they're like, fuck it. I don't want to be here anyway and just blowing up. Uh, but I don't think it was planned. I don't know. I don't know. Here's the big question I have now, actually, that. Uh, that I don't think I've seen people talk about, which is um, if Punk isn't injured the last couple months, does he go this nuts? Because part of me, I, I made a joke like he was r- basically rear window the movie for like, because th- there's a point in that press where he talks about, you know, it was driving me crazy. I couldn't even walk my dog. I was in bed for two weeks. Like, and he was like talking about how like April yeah. really had to help me. And then he, he, when he talks to Brian Alvarez, he calls him out. He's like, I watched that video clip of you on like Wrestling Observer Radio. And I, and I could just imagine like Punk sitting alone, can't go out watching all the coverage he's not not in the locker room where he can't Super immediately online, talk to people watching yeah. watching watching being the elite <laughs> like like did he just like like if he's in the in the locker room every week and kind of can let off steam a little at a time like does this happen or does he go this fucking insane because he just spends two months consuming media separate from everybody driving himself and saying thinking to himself when i come back these fucking assholes because i i could see himself just you know pushing himself into a mental level that he can't come back from yeah and i think it's also why the first promo he cut he had fucking you know he had some fucking uh some shots to take at adam page it's like it's the same thing he was sitting at home stewing in this shit and as soon as he got a live mic and as soon as he got in front of a camera as soon as he got he was out there again all this shit was bubbling up and he was just taking fucking shots he was like Again, I think that's 100% it. He was stuck at home 
and he was just getting the pent-up aggression and getting worse and worse. And the last time that something similar to this happened, he blew off the steam on the podcast with Cole Cabana and did a yeah. very similar thing. And just like that one, this one might result in a lawsuit, which, again, yes. I hope happens because that would be a hilarious lawsuit. Um, yes. Okay. But, yeah, so... the guy just – go ahead. So I was on like so part of me was like if this story that came out from the punk side that well the alleged kicking down of a door was true I was like you know if that part did happen okay I'm on the punk side there but if that part did not happen and and that was just like either exaggerated or not true why was Ace Steel so fucking mad <laughs> like like, like I want to know why Ace Steel at that point, was so incredibly upset to throw a chair and concuss, a, <laughs> concuss yeah. one of the executive vice. What I happened mean, to set a steel off that bed? <laughs> I think the cover of like the wife with the broken foot, like I, I think that that's relatable and people understand it. Like, oh, a steel's wife was in the room and she had a broken foot. But I think the real answer is that like. Like I said with fucking uh, Al Snow earlier and Mick Foley, and like people say, you know, be Brutus the Barber Beefcake and Hogan, like Ace Steel knows where his bread is buttered, and Punk yeah. is his yeah. guy, and people are fucking with Punk. It, that's his ride or die, man. Fuck it. I'm, I understand, but again, if I, I am perfectly on board in this scenario, which someone's kicking down my friend's door. Then yeah, I'm throwing a fucking chair. Like that, literally, you're beating down someone's door. Absolutely, like you're looking for a fight. I understand. I agree with that. Where the fight goes and everything, but that's 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 another thing. But if none of that happened, and <laughs> this why the what, what happened? Like I, like I just want to know what happened as to where a chair got thrown. There's some like part of it. Like the, the like the initial <laughs> shock is just like. Punk, like punk is punk is punk, right? But we can also say that the Bucks, when the, when we saw like the breaking down the door story, the Bucks and Kenny, like what the fuck, like those guys are breaking down the door, <laughs> like and like I believed it because I'm like, yeah, because why would something like that just happen if the punk was in his lock? Like why why would that happen? But still, when you think about it, it's like man, like the Bucks kicking down a door, <laughs> like, well, like. Uh Sean, Sean Ross Sapp a few hours ago, I think he was the guy who initially put out that kicking down the door. He put out an update just a few hours ago, I think, like where he said the sources on punk side have even said like we were that that was a Turner phrase. Like like okay. even they are yeah. walking it back now. And I think Meltzer early today said like even the story I heard from punk side did not say kicking down the door. So that's not like maybe that was exaggerated. But yeah. the thing it did sound more like, and the thing you can sympathize with punk is the idea of maybe these guys wanted to talk and were like knocking at the door or something. And punk was like, look, I'm just, I'm getting stitches or maybe whatever. I just tore a muscle in my goddamn arm. I don't want to talk right now. And you could see if they were insistent, him being like, what the fuck is going on? Like, yeah, you don't so have like, to kick so, down so, a door. So maybe not like literally, but like figuratively beating down his door. Yeah. Like not they're going just like, away. we're not going to go away. Yeah, and he's just like, I don't want to do this right now, even though I just kind of started this. Yeah, you know. Also, my... also, also, it's just like if you th if you already think those guys are idiots, you already, you don't want to talk to them in the first place anyway. Like you just kind of like want to get your shit off and like just go home. Yeah, you think these guys are dumbasses? Like you don't want to have a conversation with the people, these people that you don't like in the first place. Well, my my takeaway and my 
response to it. And I honestly think that this would stand up in some ways in a court of law as being like, if this was an understanding of the way that things were communicated, Punk in the press conference said, if you have a problem with me, come and find me. You know where I am and let's fucking go, which did not sound to me like let's have a chat. Punk made it direct yeah. and clear in his statement that if you have a problem with me, come and fight me. And mm. so that means that anyone who comes to him after that is engaging in a fight. Yeah. So like I, I get the idea that you can like argue it, whatever, but I do think that a, a, a strong enough and savvy enough lawyer could make that argument that anyone who came to him after that was looking for physical aggression because punk made it clear that that was what was happening. But then that cuts both ways because you could say then by that logic, Punk was basically telling people, come find me if you have a problem with me, right. you know, like. Right, which means that like they're all culpable, sure, but they can't say like, oh, he was the aggressor and we were just coming to chat because he said this is not come to chat. This is come to fight. Yeah, if, if they got if they got if they got wind of if they got wind of all of that, which I'm assuming they did, then yeah. <laughs> like yeah, that, exactly. part, that, that part, I mean, I don't know, maybe maybe someone didn't mention that part. But I would think that part got mentioned. But the <laughs> yeah, exactly. ACL thing, too, is fascinating because I think, uh, like Meltzer put it best, where it's like, all right, let's say it is just all about ACL's reaction was because he's worried about his wife. Shouldn't the one of you have one of two reactions if your wife is in the room and you're concerned about her, which is one, put everything you can to trying to stop the fight, yes. or two, get her out of the room, not option three, throw a chair. <laughs> like, throw a chair like, and fight yeah, someone. Call, yeah, call, call the whole fucking melee because apparently. Yeah, Kenny, Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are going to do the BTE trigger to my wife. Apparently, <laughs> like, I, like, 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 no, like, yeah. If your wife is there and like you're yeah. super concerned about this, you'd be like, we're not going to do this in the locker room. We're going to go fight in the fucking hallway or some shit. Not, yeah. Come, I'm going to throw. Like, what? Like, what are you talking about? You just started a whole brawl because you threw a chair at somebody. Like, what are you thinking about? I mean, I do uh, think what you mentioned earlier—the idea of more—it's probably more punks, my guy. Yeah, I gotta yeah. stick up for him. I mean, that. I mean, it, it, it sounds more no. Like that's the answer you give to sound more noble. Like my wife could have gotten hurt, but the probably the reality right. is, punk's my friend. Yeah, just, you know, just, punk's just, my meal ticket. I'm, I'm, I, I gotta help him. Yeah, like, just be real about it. Like if that, if you were just like just say like, look, punk is my dude. I've known him forever long. Like and like if you want to throw in like he's my meal ticket, he's the reason why I'm in this company in the first place. Like. If you wanted to do all that, then that is perfectly fine. And I feel like he's no hurt. You I know that he's injured, so I was protecting him. Yeah, the dude yeah. was hurt. The dude is hurt. He like, le like legitimately hurt himself in that match. Like, there's plenty of reasons as to why, like, you feel like, you, like, did you feel like your friend was going to get jumped if you didn't do something? Like, yeah, that's probably that's that's understandable too. Uh, I still find it funny <laughs> if uh, <laughs> if um. So if it was the Elite plus Daniels and CM Punk and A Steel and a one arm CM Punk at that with a and one Michael Nakazawa, don't forget one, 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 and, and Brandon Cutler also suspected. Yes, like yes, all of yes. that. Like that's literally how do you either they weren't trying to fight and that's how that happened, or they just lost the two people, and that. Like I'm, I don't think the Young Bucks or Kenny have ever been a fight in their lives. So <laughs> like, I'm I, that's perfectly conceivable. They just lose to two people, but when you increase that to like six people <laughs> that were involved yeah. in that, that that were involved, 
and then they lost to two people. What? How do you? How do you? How are you in a? How do you have the advantage? A four-person advantage and lose. Well, yeah, and the idea that the number two person in the company was there because they're saying that Mega was there. So <laughs> you've yes. got like the number two top executive of the company. You've got all of the entourage, all of that. And somehow they were all barreling down to come beat the shit out of CM Punk and Ace, or I guess just Punk, really. Ace Steel was just happened to be there. Do you think they, and do those you think they, two? Do you think they were coming with the intention to fight? No, but I do. Like again, I go back to what I said was that I think that Punk, I think that this is the problem. Just like you said that that the elite have never been in a fucking fight, so they don't understand what this shit means. When oh. someone like Punk says come to me and let's fucking go. He's saying we're going to fight and he's they didn't like, understand yeah, he's, that. Yeah, he's like, he's not joking when he says that he's not, yeah. he's not, he's not using that as, he's not using that as a figure of speech. <laughs> no, he means like, we're going to actually fucking fight and they didn't understand that. So they did not go there to fight, but they walked into a situation. And this is why like someone with even an ounce of any fucking brains should have stopped those. Fuck those. I, I don't Where even want to say, I don't even know what to was call them. With Joe. <laughs> Yeah, where was anyone to tell the elite, like, no, listen, he wasn't saying let's have a chat. Okay, here's the conspiracy thing, though. I mean, if you really want to go crazy, yeah, so which deep. is, <laughs> okay, think about this. I mean, I, I don't know. I've heard, like, uh, reading all these reports, they all run together. I don't know if they brought Meg, Mega with them or she just tagged along or happened to be there. But let, let's say this. Let's say the Bucks did not want to start a fight, but they wanted Punk to go crazy and hoped he would do something like this. Like, mm. if you hate Punk, and you know right. he's in this state, and you know a major like neutral witness that's gonna word is gonna carry a lot of weight. Maybe you want to bang on his door and insist on yelling at him. Maybe you hope he goes fucking nuts and throws right. a punch. You know, maybe to I mean, if, I mean, obviously that's kind of that crazy four D chess. But maybe you think let's push this wow. guy until he just costs himself everything. You say that like it's crazy and Machiavellian, but it's not because that's just reality TV show logic. Everyone knows on reality TV, if you push somebody until they punch you, they get kicked off the show. And, and I mean, if that was the plan, it's probably going to work exactly how they would want because they're probably going to get off with a slap on the wrist. I imagine they're probably not going to lose their jobs and punk probably if I had to guess right now will. So, I mean, if that was the plan, probably mission accomplished. Probably. Yeah. Quentin, is there any other in-depth stuff you want to get into with the <laughs> with the punk press press situation? Did you even watch the press thing or listen to it? I I did I did watch the press thing. I just okay. I, like I, I did watch it. Uh, it's it sucks. It yeah. sucks. Like I think more than anything, like we can do the jokes or whatever. And, like I think there's plenty to laugh at and find funny about this, but like it sucks and. It sucks that from like, oh, this is like a black eye on wrestling perspective. Like, who gives a fuck? Rest Arn Anderson Arn 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 Anderson nearly fucking stabbed Sid to death. Like, what shut up. <laughs> yeah. Like like And like, that, I mean, there's plenty of people who have been stabbed to death. Just yeah, you know, like Brody. Yeah, Bruiser, yeah, Bruiser Brody literally got fucking stabbed to death in a in a in a bathroom. Like what? Like, no, I don't I don't care about this. This is very, very, very low on the black eyes on professional wrestling list this is this is this barely even makes a fucking scratch but it's sad because when you look at what the aew roster was what, what they kind of roster they were able to put together and like what we could like what could have been 
it's sad because Punk versus Kenny Omega, even if they don't see eye to eye on whatever different different things they might see, whatever different the different things might be, that's such a fucking gigantic, huge special match that would have been a big thing for them. Or even or, or any Punk like imagine like Punk and Danielson versus the Young Bucks or like something like that where there's so much stuff that could have been done in like that CM Punk I felt like still had to give to the roster of this is just like the end for him in the company and so much value that he had like it's just a sad thing like Punk versus Moxley I feel like Punk and Moxley even if you don't do the MJF storyline and bring him and bring him back when you did there was more juice in 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 and in more Punk and, Punk and Moxley story I felt like there was more there Single Punk and, M- and, and MJF and Single Punk and MJF could have done revisiting Punk and Eddie and like so much stuff that I feel like is just not going to happen now because of this and it sucks from a, from that perspective of a wrestling fan perspective and I think AEW will be fine. Um, I do think not having one of the best mic mic workers ever on your company uh, on your TV show will be a void, but you do have Moxley you do have MJF and you do have guys that you can hopefully try to develop into that. Eddie Kingston's there. So like, it's not like that void is like, it's like, it's like the bit, like the biggest gaping void possible. Like when punk left WWE, but it's just, it's just disappointing as like from a wrestling fan perspective and me wanting to see AEW succeed. And I don't think this will be like a death, like a death knell in them. And when we look back on AEW's demise, this was when it started. Like, I don't think it's that severe. But I just think about what we could have gotten and like the kind of special stuff that we could have gotten. And these are big matches and things that we were looking forward to and would have been like legit box office home run smash successes that just aren't going to happen for whatever dumb, petty wrestling reasons. Like it is like end of the day, like this happened over wrestling, like over creative differences in wrestling is why this happened. That is the dumbest shit in the world. They're going to lose out on a bunch of potential houses and money and TV ratings from like stuff that they could have done with not just Punk and the Elite, but Punk himself, like over rest over creative wrestling decisions. And that's just such a dumb, weird thing to put in perspective. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's it, it's sad. Like, and I I think you said it perfectly, especially about like you know there is funny parts about, but like you know everyone's like, oh, you know this is what makes wrestling fun. But it's it, at some points like a little of it makes wrestling fun, but at this point it's just depressing and aggravating. Like I would give all of the fun of this week back to just have all these guys in the same company willing to work with each other. And the sad part is like punk and that presser was like, I'm all about making money. That's what's important to me. And the sad thing is if any, either side, I'm sure Tony Khan would love to keep all these guys and would do whatever he could to like, if either side was willing to just eat crow and be humble and swallow all their resentment and just say, I'm sorry, I'll make it up to you guys. Like whatever. There is so much money and and you know adulation they could get from working like there's not a doubt in my mind after this week that if you booked when punk comes back from an injury omega versus punk or even punk and ftr against omega and the bucks for a pay-per-view that would probably be the 
highest grossing pay-per-view they've ever done. Like if, if that's yeah. really what you mean when you say money is what you're about right now and about, you know, helping this company and justifying your giant contract and all that stuff. Like if that's the most important thing, just swallow either side. Like if you care that much about the company and about being successful, just swallow your pride. Like it's, it's right there, right in front of you right now. Like never been easier to obtain in that sense. And they, they don't have any like personal issues. Like sorry to cut you off, but this is not personal. No, no problem. It's not, this is literally about wrestling. That's what makes this shit so weird and so dumb. The this, there isn't an actual beef here. You're beefing over. It's like, about a third you... party. That what? Isn't... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I want to parse the details of what Punk had to say, and especially because I have like a a bit of a, a little bit of a joke, a dig, funny little line that I've been thinking, but I, you know, shouldn't say it because it's like mean spirited, but whatever. You know, I think the guy is like great, and I think I had him like top five for my GWE ballot, but you know, Punk threw out there during the press conference like, oh, you're going to not take advice from Terry Funk, and I'm like, well, based on the reports right now, I'm not taking anything. Terry Funk says seriously because the guy's got full blown dementia. So yeah, I guess maybe don't take advice from him. I mean, you know, whatever, feel free. But the point is, there's no point in parsing the words that Punk said in the press conference because, like you said, there, Quentin, it's not personal. But I think that in a weird way for Punk, it really is personal yeah, because I is. think the real personal thing is is not any of this. The real personal thing is that Punk got injured in this match. And Punk got injured, you know, in his last match. And I think Punk personally doesn't want to admit that he can't really continue doing this. And he wasted seven years where he could have sitting at home and being spiteful. And so instead of admitting that, like, I physically can't do this anymore, it's easier to throw it out the window by set setting everything on fire and turning this into a big fucking pissing contest and not just admitting like holy shit i actually can't continue wrestling like this anymore yeah like and like, that's like why the, it's personal because he has to admit to himself that he personally has failed himself it's like i don't like i loved punk versus hangman like i thought that was such a really good match i love punk versus moxley here and the fact that he I take like it's it's a thing where you like as much as you like like people and like their work and even maybe at some and also at points admire them like you have to be able to admit when someone's wrong like we can I can say full like of course I don't think Punk was wrong at all for the for how the WWE situation ended I think that he was 100 in the right for that built up for that build up of emotions and anger and everything how we felt here but everything from thinking hangman went into business for himself and was out to and was out to get him and things like that and like who knows like based up like we weren't there is there is it possible that is punk that punk's totally wrong that it could have been a cult cabana dig not not really it's not possible he's totally wrong there because colt's been there since day one in AEW, and colt is their friend colt's their guy they never really had a relationship with punk for the last however many years some of those guys have no relationship with Punk at all. Like, is it possible that it would be a dig on the behalf of Colt Cabana? I don't think it's wrong for Punk to think that. But at the same time, that's like super extreme Austin in 2002 levels of paranoia. 
like in if that's how we came back to wrestling then like i'm not sure he, he probably he should have never came back in the first place and like maybe it wasn't like that when he first came back but like god damn to be at this point a year later when you already missed like certain about amounts of time you were on the tv but it's not like you were on the tv every week like you weren't you weren't on the road working house shows like this was like as easy a gig as it could have been for someone like CM Punk psyche. And I get it. Like if you're dealing with people that you just don't like or mesh with creatively, like Kenny or the bucks, and you just don't get along at all. Then at some point, something might blow up. I understand that, but it was a year and it just makes me real. It just makes me think that like at some point like this, he may, he might've never actually been ready to come back to wrestling. He might have, it might have sounded good in theory to him, and he might have missed it. But I think, like, emotionally and psychologically, he wasn't ready to come back to wrestling. Because if this is what you're mad about, if this is where you have all this built up frustration and anger, and granted, there's a bunch of people in AEW that do seem that do seem like they have this. This isn't the same grueling wear and tear schedule that WWE was. So either that's a CM Punk problem. There's a there's major AEW problems that need to be addressed. It could be both, but it's just hard to believe that we're at this point just a year later. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. And, and Tim, I thought that your theory just now like kind of blew my mind about uh maybe Punk just would rather no knows he can't hack it physically long term and he'd rather go out a martyr than admit that publicly but the other the, the one other theory I, I would have is just from all the stuff the one other thing that seemed like he was really personally hurt by you kept going back to in the presser was like these guys don't want to listen to my advice and then you hear in like the reporting that's come out in the last few days the idea that you know punk you know is pissed off because you know he's offering advice to people and some take it but some won't and he was saying in the presser like he was very uh, seemingly angry that like hangman has publicly said, you know, I don't take advice from guys and stuff. And when he first came in, Punk, when he was, you know, happy, upbeat Punk, one of the things he was really talking about is how, like, how I want to give back and I want to be like guys, you know, the, the way Candido and guys like that were to me, I want to be to them. And my my feeling, the impression I guess, he built up in his head, like, I'm going to come in, everyone's going to love me, you know, I'm going to, like, pay it all forward. That's going to be, like, my legacy, my last bit of my career. And may, he probably really pissed him off that not everybody, it sounds like, but like a significant chunk of people were like, yeah, I'm good. I, I, you know, yeah. I don't really can't really relate to you. And that, that sounds like that just probably turned him sour in some way. In, in in again, I can see why his mind might jump to the conclusion. Oh, you might, you guys have this preconceived idea of me because of like this other stuff. Like, because of having opinions on how me leaving WWE or, like, other stories that you might have heard or, like, the Cabana stuff. Since, again, Cabana's been there the whole time. Or, like, Eddie's been there, you know, since since since, uh, since 2020. So, like, all, all, these, all, the, all this different stuff as to where, like, I can see where the paranoia might set in, like, oh, like, you guys aren't listening to me or giving me a chance because of these fucking assholes that, like, you know, that I had, that I, that I have whatever issues with. And again, is it paranoid as fuck? Totally. It is extremely paranoia driven. But I can also see 
what would lead him to that kind of thinking? Because again, I'm not saying that everyone in the world has to listen to CM Punk as if he is like, you know, the end all be all of pro wrestling. But if you grew up in a certain time period and you're just aware of wrestling in the last 20 years, like Punk is one of the biggest stars to be in wrestling in the last 20 years. He has like the indie resume. He has the mainstream wrestling success. He's accomplished all of that. And I'm not all for like the wrestling politics, pay your dues, listen to the old, like I don't like, I again, do not particularly care for any, for all, for all over any of that. But I, I said before, I said a few weeks ago, and I'm not sure if I'm ready to walk this back when like the front, when the punk and hangman stuff first came out and started that like, I did feel like punk came in with the best of intentions. I, don't think he came here to start shit. I really don't. I agree completely. And I just he's gonna get the blame for this. And I'm not I'm not saying that it's wrong to, but people are sensitive. CM Punk is very clearly sensitive. And I'm not sure some things didn't happen where either Punk took it the wrong way, which would be on him, or where people were being a certain way towards him. Like I don't like, I, I don't know CM Punk to be a liar. You know, I, I, he can say he's a, we can say he's an asshole. We can say he's a bunch of different things. Do I know CM Punk to be a liar exactly? I don't know. And I feel like to me, like, the CM Punk is going to be the main story here and going to be the main guy getting the brunt of this. It's going to be a thing with Punk in a few weeks come Observer Hall of Fame season and will be a thing going forward. And it's going to suck. But, like, I'm not sure if we actually look at it, Punk, should get all the blame here because we can look at punk and say whatever, but when has punk ever been a liar? Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, sad. I agree with everything there. Um, Trevor, I think, like I said, I mean, I think that people can pick apart the stuff and go like, Oh, you know, he's a hypocrite because look at all the stuff that he's done in the past. And that's why I said, I don't want to dig into the details of what he said, because I think that there's probably something deeper there. That's really driving this. And, and, Every word that he says doesn't have to be true or, you know, any of that stuff. Like, I I, I agree with you, the idea that he came in here and, and he wanted to, like, do something and, and give back and do all that stuff. And I also think that there is a good chance that it's like, it can even be subconscious that he's not even, he doesn't even think of it that way. It's just his natural instinct. The guy is, he's a snake, <laughs> you know, you stupid old man, he's a snake, you can't help it. This is his nature. Anytime. To self-destruct is his nature. Yeah, but, rather than deal with stuff, that this is how he deals with it. He like doesn't do the work. He just self-destructs and like deals with it this way. Um, yeah, and, and like I feel like that's and the a, that's thing a very, is you've got. Oh, good. No, I feel like that's a very fair thing. It just feels like, you know, I feel it, again. Poor CM Punk. Poor multimillionaire CM Punk. Right. I get it, but like <laughs> I really do think that the dude tried and like just didn't get a chance from some people. And that's okay. Like some people just aren't going to like you, but when you were gone from wrestling and like, it's kind of like this whole new world for you when you're like, so excited to come back. And like the next thing, you know, some people are like giving you like weird looks and everything. Like you might have some awkward exchanges and things like that. And you're looking around like, what? like I don't even know you people and you're, and you're treating me this way. Like that's kind of a weird feeling. Well, I'll just say, like, even stuff like if he really meant it, if it was really digging at him, like, I would think that the guy would have, like, took the time to look into the Adam Page thing, because the Adam Page interview, the I don't take advice interview, like, I heard someone break it down a little bit more directly on what was said, and, like, if you actually 
heard the interview, like Adam Page wasn't saying, I don't think I need to take advice. The headline put it that way. So that's why I say like Punk was grasping at straws for things to explain something deeper that he was trying to, you know, cover up rather than actually because if he really cared and Adam Page not wanting to take advice is what really hurt him. That would be he would have like taken the time to actually read the interview and not just skimmed the headline and been like, fuck well, that well, guy. Well, well, Tim, who reads it? Who actually listens to and reads interviews? Well, and I can I mean, just look at the headline. Who, Alex who, Jones, who, obviously. He's got all the documents. He's got the proof. He's got the evidence. I mean, he was the... taking the time, apparently, to watch Wrestling Observer radio. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> sure. Could have read the interview. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, anyways, I guess more of the press conference. I, I, I really liked the Swerving our glory stuff, but none of the rest of it really matters. You guys have yeah. any other uh, things you want to talk about? I like, to- I like Tony Storm burying Thunder Rosa with yeah, no repercussions at all. <laughs> like good. literally, not like nothing at all. Tony just like, yeah, like she says she's injured. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, remember this is this is the funny thing about that's her on air tag team partner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're that's her friend on screen. Like they're they're the fucking best of pals. They have a whole team well, name and everything. Like that's so that's awesome. The, the funny thing about that was like that people. I don't know if you remember this, but the like the the video of Tony Storm like doing the autographs and people were like, "Oh, she seems so out of it." And, oh, she's so bad and this and that. And then you watch her in that press event, and it's like the same personality, just like really fucking like just not. Just blunt, basically. Just like yeah. being super direct, no nuance, and just like saying the first thing that comes to her mind. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's just Tony Storm. Yeah, that was uh, other than the game. The one other highlight I had from the presser was during the Jericho thing, where after they worked so hard on the goddamn MGF thing to the point where they had MGF, like Tony do is, you know, Tony Khan acting, God bless him, is one of his yeah. weakest points to do the, the whole answering machine thing. They they wanted to like cross their T's and dot their eyes that much on the storyline and, you know, trying the whole thing and, you know, Tony in ultra work mode. Then Jericho comes on a segment. He's just like, yeah, my good friend MJF. I was telling him, yeah, like you're going to be a baby face. I'll teach you how to do a baby face comeback. Like just completely <laughs> blowing the whole fucking thing. And like, just act like, yeah, I talk to him all the time. Like I was like, that is such a fucking Jericho thing. It's like, so good. They could they couldn't could, could wait could have waited for the fucking podcast, man. Like you could have waited yeah. like <laughs> the next day until you record wow. a talk as Jericho to do that. <laughs> Well, MJF doesn't, he never breaks character on podcasts, so MJF yeah. wouldn't have gone along. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it, what's very funny about that is MJF saying, like, this whole time with all this stuff, me and MJF were still talking all the time, because Jericho <laughs> was one of the people that Punk called out on the podcast, the, like, the he only tried to contact me after I was fucking gone, fuck him, and he didn't follow <laughs> up with him. <laughs> you know? So it's like, oh, oh yeah, Jericho awesome. only follows up and tries to talk to people if there's bullshit going on. Not like he just does that with everyone because he's just trying to talk to everyone. Oh, fuck. I love it. I love yeah. it. <laughs> that was so yeah. good. I just thought... Yeah. Uh, <sighs> all right. Well, Trevor, well, I don't know well, if you have well, 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 hold, hold on, hold on. Not on my question, even on that watch it. So, okay. who should who should be the champion? Should we, as everyone just like, yeah, sorry, Mox, we should have never took it off you. Here's the belt because I'm fine with that, but I'm also feeling like dang, I also would be very, very, very okay with Danielson wanting the belt. I'm of the theory that as much as I think 
Moxley's on fire right now. And in some ways, he technically kind of deserves it and is like the most stable choice. And you would think the belt needs that stability. I do subscribe to the theory. I've seen other people put that like, if you put the belt right back on Moxie immediately after all of this, it makes him look like just like the runner up. Yeah. Like, yeah, and I feel like, like, like I'm all for Moxley getting the title again down the line, but I feel if you do it right now, yeah, right this second, if yeah, and it, it just makes it look like, uh, I guess he's the you know, he's not what we want, like, so yeah, in that sense, I think it's more of an argument for like put it on Dan, put it on someone new. I mean, I know there's a little risk about Danielson because he just had another concussion, but like, yeah, it, it's fresh, it's different, he, you know, he's amazing. Uh, to me, I, I would probably go Danielson. All right. Um, spoilers? Are we spoilers? No spoilers? Uh, for Rampage? Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't care. But yeah, go ahead. All right. So Sammy beats Darby. So a what? Got, yeah. Jesus so you've got Christ. Sammy versus um, who would it be? Mox, and you've got Danielson versus Jericho, and that's your final four. Um, so okay. So. I guess I'd say Jericho. No, um, the only reason why I say Jericho is because then we have three two-time champions like instantly all at the same time. Uh, no, Danielson's the choice. Um, obviously, I think it makes the most sense. I know that, like you said, there's the risk, but whatever, you can get around it. You can make it work. Um, and then maybe it's time that we do start freshening up the fucking title picture a little bit so that we can have some people who don't, we don't have to worry about them getting yeah. injured or yeah, like going again, out. Darby is, he. they've cooled him off without the TNT title. And it's like, okay, I, I think we're ready to put Darby there. Like, I feel like we're at that point. Yeah. Like, it's, come on, guys. Like, it's, yeah, Darby's, it's Darby time for that, for that scene. Mm. And I, Go ahead, Trevor, if you have any. No, I was just, uh, yeah, I completely agree. And yeah, like, yeah. again, that's more urgency for pushing guys like Ricky Start. Like, the next four to six yeah. months should be about we need to put a couple younger people, Will Hobbs, whoever, in the conversation. If, if, there, if, if, if there was an argument for the acclaim winning the belt to Arthur Ashe, it's so you could use Keith and yeah. Swerve as yeah. title guys, which you don't have to do that to have them, you know, in the title mix. Like, you don't have to do it. But that would be the argument is that, okay, you have these two guys that could be big single stars. If we're really kind of like looking forward to what to do in the future, because we don't know right now, because they're EVPs, but they still were involved in that shit too. So we don't know what's going to happen with them, how long they're suspended, what's, what the plans are going to be in the future. Like, But if this is going to be this kind of reset that we're talking about, then you have two guys that are in a tag team with each other that are like main event singles potential type of guys too that you know you might want to look you might that you might want to revisit yeah it's time to start moving on from the older guys it's time to start uh just yeah i mean the guy i mean you can keep them around and you can use them for attractions and to draw ratings and do all that stuff but like <laughs> the older guys are just like they're not as reliable and you've got plenty of younger underneath guys who are getting over and who are ready to go and just give them the rub and, and have, I mean, the Danielson Garcia thing is perfect. Have Danielson win the title and then move to, I mean, it's not like Danielson hasn't fucking feuded with the pure champion before as the world champion in the past. Right, Trevor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not like we can't do Garcia versus Danielson, pure champion versus world champion. Yeah. 
But uh, either way, moving forward, anything else from you guys? I'm done for the night. I think we've gone yeah. way too long, Trevor. Yeah. Appreciate your time. <laughs> no, um, no problem. I'm 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 good. I didn't watch. Uh, I didn't watch Dynamite. Um, if you want to, if you want to take predictions on who will be the next uh, really old shitty person to die, uh, we can uh, we can uh, take we can oh. we can raffle that and figure out who will <laughs> who will be in October. I'm hoping Henry Kissinger. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say Kissinger's on the list. Yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping Kissinger, but uh, yeah, we can uh send us send us to you who you want to die in October. <laughs> <laughs> Please, yeah. Uh, Trevor, go ahead and uh, yeah, <laughs> they don't follow you already, but uh, plug your plug your plug your Twitter uh, podcast, your whatever else, Patreon. Uh, whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, you know what? This is gonna be the worst plugs ever because I'm gonna tell you guys most of the stuff you probably don't want. Um. At Trevor Dame on Twitter, I am the worst kind of person to follow on Twitter because I will not post for days at a time and then post way too much for days at a time. So it's the worst, most annoying kind of person to follow. Um, through the years, that's T-H-R-O-H, is the Ring of Honor retro podcast I do with uh, Matt Feuerstein, and it is the best thing I do. Uh, we have a great time doing that. We are coming up on episode 100. We've covered every single show from the start to, well, uh, we're almost in the middle of 2006. Um, I have a Patreon that I do not update, and it's a really weird esoteric subject that probably most people will not care about. It was me covering the weird world of TNA message boards. It was uh, www.patreon.com slash mecca mecca. You really don't need to subscribe to that. So ideally just listen to my podcast. You don't need to do anything else. I Oh, and I, uh, I write listicles for wrestling Inc now and make money that way. Again, you don't need to, you know what, you know, don't do anything. Don't, don't do anything. I don't look at anything I do other than the podcast. You know what? Nothing. Ignore it all. I guess you could throw PWO some bones. Yeah. Oh yeah, pro wrestling only. They, there's not many podcasts you have anymore, but they're archives. I mean, I love those. And um, oh no, I, I'm telling just the fans, give them some money, but feel free to <laughs> plug them. You know, I forget. Jesus Christ! I, you know, yeah. I for, I, for, I forget that I was on PWO. Like I forget yeah. that like I had a podcast on. PWO. You forget <laughs> that we were the big dogs on PWO when Trevor was first cutting his teeth on the network. <laughs> yeah, I for, like it feels like so long ago that I was even on PWO. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh shit! Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at QT underscore Moody if you're uh, into battle rap at all or just interested to learn more about it uh an article went up today on let's talk where i wrote about the recently deceased pat stay and his con- uh, contributions to battle rap and how much he changed it so if you want to go read that you can find it somewhere on my twitter uh you can follow tim at bone dog's wife you can follow the podcast network at wdkwpn donate to us on coffee so we can fund uh a steel's bond so he can get out of jail <laughs> i don't i'm not sure he i'm i don't think he's arrested i'm pretty i'm fairly so sure he's not but just yeah. in case the bucks file charges donate so we can get a steel out of jail because like come on he threw a fucking chair that rules well uh, he also has to get tested for rabies which is not cheap, yeah, so pretty, and they will yeah. put him down if they can't confirm that he does not have rabies <laughs> yeah i know like cm punk didn't tag him it's a it's a whole yeah. it's a whole thing so Donate to us if you want to. Thank you all for listening and hope you're here next time. Bye.